Welcome to the Life on Word, aka Life on Ward podcast. I am Ward Huey, and I am here to bring you conversations with people that are living out their passions. They are living life onward. I'm very excited on this episode to have Jason Blankenship of Bad Cloud Media. Jason is someone I met as a musician who has now journeyed into film and video production. He's done some very exciting work with different musicians and bands, and I'm super stoked to have him on as he tells his story. Sit back and enjoy. It is cast these rests And it scratched the song And she hears it scared So I do So, I do exist. so yeah, uh, looking forward to this conversation we're going to have today. Everyone that's listening, I have Jason Blankenship on. I've known Jason for a few years now. Uh, he was in St. Augustine. Now you're up in Jacksonville, correct? Correct. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And so Jason is someone that I've met through the music scene, uh, being a musician himself. And now he also uh, does oh. other work and video. So really excited to just let everyone get to know him. You're someone that, you know, I've seen really just make a name for yourself around here. And I've seen, you know, over the years, you're doing some work with this uh, first in music, obviously, and then seeing you start to show up at live gigs and seeing how that's branched out to what you're doing now. So I just want people to hear your story. And uh, I think that we can all learn something uh, from from that. So, yeah, that's the idea. Sure, so, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I hope so. Um, yeah, you, you kind of, I think you linked up with me right when I was really getting into all of this. So you have seen the evolution, which is, which is fun. Um, Cause I, before all of this, before I, or before I started getting into, into bad cloud media and the videography mm-hmm. and, uh, and then kind of directing and everything way before that, um, I was in best of Cynthia. Um, and, and then before that, even other local bands around town. Um, and really, I think my journey on this, this whole, uh, into this whole kind of field started there. So you're an artist in many fields. So, and I, what I want to talk about first a little bit mm-hmm. is when, so when did the music start for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll go from there. So when did the music start for you? Uh, not just being a fan of music, but being a musician. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> being a fan of music that's from childhood. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I think, you know, as early on, like my parents were always listening to music. We talked about that. We had this like really just musical family. My dad played guitar. Okay. And uh, I was, I mean, so if you want to go all the way back as a baby, (laughs) as a baby, we'll go all the way to the beginning if you want to, uh, as a baby, I'm told I was pretty fussy. Right. So like I was, I was colicky. And so I cried all the time. And apparently one of the things my dad used to do when they couldn't get me to go to sleep was he'd play guitar. Okay. And, and he's a really good guitar player. And, and 
apparently that was the one thing that was like one of one of the only things that they could do to just get me to fall right to sleep. Um, and, and so that, that, and to this day, it's like, too, I can just put on acoustic guitar music and it's like, if I'm having a hard time sleeping, that usually just, just <laughs> makes me pass out immediately. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so I grew up though with a, with a really musical family and, sure. and I, you know, from the early ages had cassettes, you know, like, Oh, some of the stuff, at least the classics that some people get into at an early age, you know, Elvis and the Beatles all that kind of stuff. Um, Are you an but, Elvis person or a Beatles person? Can I be both? Is that I okay? guess. I'm trying to remember the Pulp Fiction movie because that was like a yeah. big part of that movie. Um, yeah, there's supposed to be a distinction there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't know, man. I like, I like them both. Um, I, I think... You know, people have feelings about Elvis and the Beatles. <laughs> Actually, both yeah. people have feelings about both because, you know, both kind of took what came before, right, and sort of reappropriated it for a mass audience. Yeah. And and so I think people give them both flack for that. But, but at the same time, they were both so influential and, and revolutionary. I mean, there's you can hear that Beatles DNA in just about everything to this day in oh, any rock sure. and roll. Yeah, Um, we just music wouldn't be what it is today if the Beatles hadn't came in and just and changed everything the way they did. And I think similarly, I think Elvis, um, I have an appreciation for Elvis because I think he he really if he didn't invent it, he really spearheaded this whole sort of like blend of R&B and country and Mm -hmm. like and rockabilly that like that came around that time. And that really I mean, that kicked off another kind of subset of music that I just really love. Um, to this day. So I, I don't know. I think they both have their place in musical history. <laughs> I, I have, I have appreciation for both of them. Oh, for uh, sure. And I think his, his live performance, I think was something that hadn't that you know, like people may have been doing it, but Elvis really, you know. Oh yeah. He, he turned heads, right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And I, I think exactly. He was, he was the original um, kind of uh, provocative performer, right? You know, from what I've gathered, um, I mean, I would, yeah, I would say so. There was at least, I mean, this shows how bad I have been about historically looking back. But, you know, there was him and then you had people like James Brown. You know, mm-hmm. there were probably. Yes. You know? Yeah. James, James Brown afterwards, I think I would say he was probably after. Well, he might have gotten a start around the same time, I guess. I'm I'm a little weak on that side of history too. Yeah. I would say a little um, after, but yes, similar thing. And mm-hmm. and I would say might make some people angry, but I would say that they have a similar sound as well in some in ways. In some ways I would say, yeah. I think mm-hmm. the 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 passion and the kind of R and B side of it for sure. Um and I think and I guess what I meant about provocative too just being that I think Elvis was the first artist to cause a major stir. And it's probably because television was on the rise around that time too. So people hadn't really seen people perform in front of a television as much before, but you know, you hear all those stories where certain uh, television shows and networks wouldn't allow him to be shown from the waist down. Cause they feel yeah. like what he was doing from the waist down with his legs yeah. was too risky. Yeah. You know, to show, yeah. no, show my sure. was too racy. And, yep. and, uh, and that's, you know, I think that's probably because of television, everything one of the first times that that sort of controversy had come up. And now it's like second nature, you know, I mean, about, oh, yeah. you know, about every year around Super Bowl time, we can, you know, we, people will start having a discussion about whether a performance was, was too risky or too political or people were too scantily clad or something. But that was like, 
That was like the first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely did that. I mean, the way he moved his hips and all was not allowed back then. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll say you can be both. You can be Elvis and Beatles person. (laughs) You know, yeah. I I don't like controversy, you know. There you go. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I... So yeah, I got, I got into all that stuff at a relatively young age and I, and I loved it. But I think in terms of getting involved, getting interested in making music, mm-hmm. I think was probably late middle school, early high school. Okay. And this is funny to say, I tell people this sometimes, and I've heard similar stories from a few people, but then some people were like, what? But the, I remember the movie that made me want to start playing music and it was Ooh. this movie called that thing you do, you ever seen it? It was Tom Hanks directed it. And it was like back in the 90s. I think it was late 90s that they made this movie. And it's about like a, like a, like kind of a, it's a, it's a fake band, right? Like I say, it's not real. This is like a, uh, like a, a fantasy right. band, but like the Beatles equivalent, essentially like an American equivalent of the Beatles that rises to fame really fast and then falls apart. They like burn out. So they're called the wonders, which I think is a play on like one hit wonder. They have this one hit that just propels them to stardom. And, um, and uh, I just watching that, I don't know. I got so into that. They had these, like, just these really kind of grand, like videos of their performances and stuff, you know, like it was like kind of, it was kind of like how television shows were back then, but amped right. up with a nineties style and like the, you know, the style of cinema that you could have at that point. But you could argue like the main character of that movie was the drummer. Um, and, uh, and he just, he was like the glue that held the band together. Okay. You, you kind of like that, that you're, um, that you're sort of rooting for by the end of the movie. Cause the rest of them sort of, whether they're like either jokesters and are really into it, or there's like the guy who writes all the songs, he's got kind of an ego problem and stuff, but the drummer is like the, he's like the backbone of the band. He's the one solid dude. He gets the girl in the end and it's this whole thing. Um, and I just, I thought that drummer in that movie was so cool. And so I decided I wanted to learn how to play drums. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, got my, I got like a, a, a beat up drum set for Christmas one year, like a secondhand drum set. I think my parents had found, you know, from somebody in the neighborhood somewhere. And uh, started beating on that thing and just making a, a racket. And I'm sure I was awful. Uh, actually, <laughs> I, know I, I know I was awful when I started. Did and, you but I parent- uh, did you have parents that like support it or did you have like the sitcom uh, <laughs> cliche of like the parents like, shut up. Ah. Oh no, they were, they were incredibly supportive and that's uh, awesome. And, and just in, and bless them for that too, because I'm sure it was so annoying. There's nothing worse than like, you know, I think around that age, so many kids decide they want to take up music, but some kids, you know, do guitar or piano or whatever. But like, there's, there must be a special level of dread that comes over parents when <laughs> their kid says they want to become a drummer. <laughs> because it's just like, it's just so much louder and more obnoxious than anything else you could, you could decide you wanted to do at that age. And they put up with it. You know, I think part of it, uh, like the house that I grew up in, it was sort of like this downstairs room that was sort of farther away from everything. And so they could just sort of put me there <laughs> and, and say, just go for it. And I think maybe it was a little more, um, it was a little easier to deal with. And, and of course there were certain hours of the day that, that I could drum and then certain hours that were, that were, you know, I had to quiet down. So, right. Um, but yeah, they, they went along with it and, That's and, awesome. um, 
and yeah, and that, it, it it definitely helped. And they even they got me lessons too. I took lessons with a guy back then, um, this jazz drummer called Eddie Trester, Ooh. and uh, and he was he was awesome. And I think I'm I think he may still play. I'm not sure. I thought I saw okay. his name come up recently. He had a band called the Eddie Trester Trio. Okay, uh, back then. And I think they played around the town for a long time. They were a jazz trio that played around different events downtown, uh, downtown and other places in St. Augustine. And he okay. was awesome. And I, I think I took lessons with him for like a year. And he was yet another really patient person because I think I was awful. I don't think I was a star student in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> but he taught me some really cool stuff and he put up with me. And so that was, um, that kind of set me uh, set me on the path to at least becoming a, a, a slightly better you're a good drummer, drummer. i want to hear <laughs> um i do have a question though coming from someone who is not a musician at all and so definitely not a drummer mm-hmm. other people have told me they agree with this i have the theory that the best drummers are at their core a jazz drummer yeah i would i would i would say so absolutely jazz drumming to me is like that's like the pinnacle of of drumming i mean it just that's where as a drummer when you want to have your mind like blown Mm -hmm. you usually put on like a like a jazz like a blue note jazz album you know lp or something and listen to somebody like art blakey or um or uh you know, it just it, any of those, any of those jazz drummers for that, from that time. Um, yeah, that's like, that's like the top, right? For some people, maybe it's like math rock too. Right. <laughs> would oc- occupy that same sort of, that same sort of place. But yeah, I would, I would go along with that. So did, since he was a jazz drummer and he was giving you lessons, was he teaching you more that style or is he just more giving you the basic, he was teaching you jazz, you think? Or? Both. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely giving me the basics, but he was giving me the basics from a jazz perspective. Um, and it is different, like, because after that, I started learning rocks. I really, at the time, I think mm-hmm. I wanted to be a rock drummer. And that's, I would say, kind of more what I am today, too. I wouldn't put myself in, in the category with jazz drummers. I know some jazz stuff because of those lessons that has made me a much better drummer. But I'm by no means, like, like proficient in jazz drumming. Gotcha other level but he did he taught me some stuff back then in those early lessons that really stuck with me and that is 100 percent uh jazz kind of kind of drum beats and i i get to use some of them on best of cynthia specifically because tim you know he's sometimes he likes to be straightforward rock and roll but a lot of times tim likes to throw in really weird rhythms right <laughs> in places in his songs it's just something he loves to do and we kind of we like I know when he's about to do it too, because we'll be in uh, like, he'll be showing us a new song and it's like, he just sort of like throws me a glance and I'm like, Oh man, you're about to throw something at me. That's going to throw me a curveball. I can, nice. I know when he's going to do it, I can feel it now. And he loves <laughs> that's pretty good. So we'll go ahead and let's introduce, uh, you mentioned Vesta Cynthia and Tim. Tim is the singer, uh, writer, singer, songwriter, uh, yeah leader of best of cynthia if you will uh-huh. and y'all started you said you met in high school uh so y'all started yeah. best of cynthia when so he's a little older than me i was just i think i was like a year away from graduating high school and i was in another band at the time 
and um and we were looking for places to play around town and at the time tim worked at a place called jasmine's which is a coffee shop on um, san marco i don't know if anyone remembers that it's it's like long gone now i think it's i think the building it used to be in is like leonard's now or at least was for a little while yeah way before um, my time that's for sure <laughs> yeah that was this, was this would have been like 2006 2005 right. 2006 um, we were looking for places to play and we came in there and there was like this bulletin board that said, you know, bands wanted, they were trying to get like a open mic and like a, like a, a couple of nights a week where they'd have bands in there. And we went in and we asked about the sign and Tim just happened to be working. He said, yeah, that's my sign. And so we talked to him for a while and he, we kind of hit it off. And so we played a couple of shows there with his band at the time. And the band that he was in was called Metfetonics. And uh, we all kind of hit it off and just became real good friends. And, um, and then later it was like maybe three or four years later, he was kind of transitioning from that. Some of the people he'd been playing with had to move on to other things. And, um, and so him and I started talking about playing together and we kind of did a few rehearsals and stuff, but it, it, it him and I, Tyson, actually, who he'd been in a band with for a while at that point, the bass player. Um, and we did some rehearsals and we played out, I think a few places around town back when there were like a lot of pop-up shows and house shows around St. Augustine. Yeah. And then we kind of just, we like didn't, I kind of went off and did my own thing. I think I did an internship and some other stuff. And he, he was kind of off doing his own thing for a while. And we ended up meeting back up and it was around 2009, just that we ended up both being at a show. We hadn't seen each other in a while. And, uh, and then he mentioned it to me again. He said, you know, I'm, I think I'm trying to start up another band again. I'm just going to use, he'd been like kind of operating under this pseudonym of Best of Cynthia for a while with the solo stuff. And he said, I think I'm just looking for a band for that, if you're still interested. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So we started practicing, and it was me and him and Tyson again. And then Andrew, who's the guitar player and best of Cynthia Lee guitar player. Now, him and I have been making music since, like, basically when we both start, first started playing. Like, when I picked up drums, Andrew mm-hmm. picked up guitar. Okay. <laughs> and we, we were those kids in my, in my parents downstairs that just would, like, badly rehearse with each other every other day um so him and i've been playing music you know forever and um and we brought andrew on board after that and uh and then that was kind of the beginning of the modern incarnation of best of cynthia right yeah and then so 2009 met up with tim started it back up or Mm -hmm. started playing music together back up and Mm -hmm. under that moniker i i moved around 2012 uh-huh. and so i didn't know it but y'all were starting you're getting near to where you would wind down but when i first moved like Bessa cynthia was one of the bands um that was really had a name had a following in the local scene um hmm. how how would you say y'all create what was it that y'all did to create that i know you mentioned like house shows pop-ups and stuff but like how did you create that buzz because at the time St. Augustine, if you were in the know, I guess there was a there was a music scene, but it wasn't mm-hmm. as what it is today. You know, we didn't it didn't have yeah. a outside of if you weren't like really local local, I didn't have that. No, exactly. Uh it was really different. And and I, I think just playing music out in general was kind of different at that point too, you know not just in St. Augustine, but elsewhere. Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't really like these days when you have a show these days, you like put it up on Facebook and make an event and invite a bunch of people to it. Right. And, 
we didn't, you couldn't, like, that wasn't really a thing then, you know, we had MySpace, but MySpace didn't really do that. There wasn't like the events calendar, you know, or people didn't make use of it if there was. Right. And other, other sites like bands in town, all this stuff, it just wasn't around. It wasn't a thing. Yeah. Tallahassee, um, neither. <laughs> yeah. And so everything was kind of word of mouth still. Um, and we were trying early on to kind of figure out how we could get ourselves out there once we kind of had been practicing for a while and got proficient enough. And I believe the first thing we started doing was we started showing up to this open mic that was happening around that time in St. Augustine at Rendezvous. Yep. And that's like, if you talk about, if you talk to some of the people who are like kind of, you know, sort of the veterans, I don't know, of the music scene now in St. Augustine, if you call them that, like, you know, like Amy Hendrickson and, and uh, the, the people from Young Step, um, yeah. you know, and Micah and Lauren um, and Dan from Young Step. Um, a lot of them were at those open mic nights every week. It was Amy Hendrickson's open mic night. That was, it was her thing. Chelsea Sadler. Um, yeah, they were, they were all there. And, and a bunch of other people, just legendary people from, you know, or who we consider the kind of legendary musicians around St. Augustine now. Um, so we just started showing up to that every week. And, and sometimes Tim would just go up and play. And then sometimes I think we were one of the few groups that like we'd bring the whole, like the whole setup, <laughs> you know, okay. we bring drums and, and bass and amps and everything. And we'd like rock out at this open mic night. And, um, and I think that was a little different. And so we just, we made a bunch of friends and kind of, you know, started getting our music out there that way. Um, and I think that was probably one of the things that at least got our name out there amongst local musicians. That's why people knew us. For sure. Yeah. And, and it's why we knew a lot of other people at that point too. And, and still a lot of the musical connections I have in town from those days. And then we kind of started branching out and doing other, at that point too, it was kind of like, you know, we were just saying it was a lot of the shows around town were like pop-up shows. Right. Because we didn't really have, Sarbez was, you know, not even thought of back then. And it, and it's so cool that we have somewhere like that now, because we always like needed a place like that, but we didn't have it back then. We had, uh, you know, those rendezvous would do shows every once in a while. Um, and then you had, uh, you had like, what, there was like Club Fusion out on like South of like, or north of town, but they, you know, they would just do shows every once in a while. And that was kind of fading at that point. Um, there weren't really many venues. I mean, I'm, right. I'm trying to think of like, there was, it was just like a lot of house shows. There were like these big, like warehouses that people had. Mm -hmm. um, and then like present moment did a thing back then where they used that parking lot behind. They had some shows that, they, that would just pop up back there. And those were really fun. We played several of those. Um, there were a lot, there were several warehouses off of Dobbs road, um, that, that did shows out there and they do like almost like multi-night festivals for a little while. They had this gotcha. moon fest and there were different iterations of the moon fest. We played all those. Um, sounds very DIY. It was the, the scene was so different. If you could even call it a scene, yeah, it was so different back then. And, um, and it was, it was just, it, it was incredibly DIY. And actually, when we finally released our first album, which I think was in like 2010, 2011, I think it was 2011, it was called You Hate Music. And, and that's still not up anywhere online. We're like doing a remaster of it right now. But 
Um, when yeah, tease that a little bit. I don't know how long that's going to take though. So you know, it, it may be this year, hopefully. Um, but when we put that out, it was we set up a show at like one of my friends' warehouse, um, like right near kind of two hundred seven US one, and we just kind of made it a private party and and invited a bunch of people. And what we did for those kind of things around that time is because you didn't have events, you didn't have Facebook and all that stuff. We would just make a bunch of flyers. Tim yep. worked at Office Max at the time, okay. actually. And <laughs> That's a good hookup. <laughs> it was for a band at that time. It was a great hookup because that was how we like. That was how we printed our CDs and everything, and and did our labels and all that. But he would make flyers at Office Max. We'd like draw up really extravagant flyers, and and um, he would print them out there. And we would just go around town and and like literally like just staple them to like to like telephone poles and and bring them into the taco shop and bring them into rendezvous and just leave them around bars we just give them we uh, andrew and i stood one day outside of flagler college i think and everybody that went by that looked like they might be into music (laughs) even vaguely we just started handing them flyers um and we had we had some funny flyers too that i think tim made at office max that were like that uh like graphite paper yep where you like fill out the top and you can take it and there's like two copies and we had questions on there that were just random questions like what's your favorite food and, <laughs> stuff like that. and at the at the bottom of the flyer it had the address and the time and when the show was going to be yeah we were just we were trying to have fun with it and yeah. trying to get people interested and that was usually i still have some of them in a box somewhere that was usually how we how we did it that's pretty cool and i want to stop right there for a second because one thing i have noticed uh, you're talking about, you know, like just physically getting out there, physically doing it. Mm-hmm. There's a work ethic there that I think has been lost. And maybe it's because of the Facebook uh, culture and everything. But uh, like when I was in Tallahassee, there were bands that made a name for themselves. Like the bands that members now are Mayday Parade. Mm hmm. They would just go and they would go to the mall and they would stand outside venues. If there was a show yeah. that was similar to their sound, they would they may not even have the money to go to the show, but they would stand out there as people are coming out the door when the show ended with yeah. with like music and headphones. Hey, will you listen to us? Here's our flyer. We're playing here next week. Bands don't do that anymore. What you're talking about, yeah. at least around here, uh, there's a work ethic there that you're talking of, that you're describing that y'all had that I think is missing today. I don't know. It's maybe it's different though, right? Because so back then, right? We, we, I mean, we had the internet, we could like, make a little bit of use to it, but we didn't really have that tool. Right. So we were using the tools at our disposal back then. And, and, and like we were talking about, I'm a little bit of a visual artist. So is Tim. And so we would, you know, we'd use that to make up these flyers, try to grab people's attention. We were just trying to think of interesting ways out in the world to grab people and say, right. you know, you don't know us at all, but you should be at this place on Friday. Cool. You're not going to regret yeah. it. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. But you know, yeah, people don't do that as much out in the world these days, but you have this whole other level now that requires a lot of attention too. And I think requires a, um, 
also requires a certain amount of amount of DIY attitude and and kind of a certain go getter sort of attitude, like what you're talking about. And that is the internet presence, because now, yeah. you know, if, if you're a band, you have to right off the bat have a Facebook, an Instagram, a website, a band uh, band camp. Uh, you probably, now. yeah, yeah, absolutely. At bare minimum, right? Right. If you're even thinking about starting a band, you're a fool if you're not using those tools from the get-go. And then when you go to release a song, even just one single, you're probably already making plans through, you know, some kind of distributor, whatever, CD Baby or what have you to get it on Spotify too. Um, right. You know, because you, you want to be, uh, you want to be out there where people listen to music and that's where listen to it, Apple, iTunes and Spotify, you know, and, and, um, and Google Play. And you want to be in those places that people are, are going to. And that just wasn't even a consideration back then. You know, we, right. that's why our first album never even went out on any of those things because we just had physical copies we made and we just threw them at people at shows. You know, here you go. You know, like it was, yeah. it was different. And, and if we were to put that out these days, we would want to make sure it was in all those places because that's where people listen to music. They don't really sure. pop in CDs anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, people, people buy records, but that's kind of a novelty thing. Um, and that's more about the art kind of just, you know, having something physical, which is still cool, but, right. but generally if you think about how you or I, or anybody listens to music these days, I would say still, I have a record player, but still 95% of my musical intake is, is online is, yeah. is one, one of those platforms. Mm-hmm. So you, it's a, and it's an incredible amount of work, you know, I, I think just as much work as making all these flyers and going out and passing them out. It's just different. Yeah. And, uh, and now you have to think about too, cause you have the Instagram, you probably have a YouTube as well and you don't want those to be empty. So you constantly have to be putting out content. Bands have to have tons of photos taken now that they can just trickle out every time they want to make an announcement. They usually want to have music videos with their songs. That was never a consideration for local bands before. Oh no. Um, and, and, and now it's almost like it's becoming kind of, you want to have something you want to have videos of your local performances because when you're trying to get gigs now as a band, people either want to hear some of your music or they want to see something somewhere that you played before and see your energy live. Um, so you have, there's all these expectations now that you have to keep up with. And I, I'd say, you know, that requires an incredible amount of work and, and an incredible amount of devotion, you know? So I, I think it's just different. I think it's changed. All right. All right. Yeah, you know, you're right. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a different sphere, I guess. Uh, yeah. Just a different, uh, like, just desert of <laughs> marketing and promotion than it was then. Um, sure. And I mean, and, and to be clear, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And I agree with you because I, I really, you know, we talk about it as a band all the time. I really long for those days of, you know, when, your biggest consideration was just getting out there yeah, <laughs> and, and meeting people and stuff like that. But it's, it's just different now. And I think the way we engage with each other is so different because mm-hmm. of social media and everything. And, and also shoot, I mean, now even more because of the pandemic, you know, it's right. really, it's, it's made it almost impossible to go out there. And, uh, we couldn't go pass out. Well, I mean, even if shows were happening on the scale they were before, we couldn't go out and pass out flyers. and do this No, stuff. they don't. People are not going to want to take that from you. No, you got gloves on. So, you know, the world has changed and uh, I think people have had to kind of change with it. Um, For sure. But it's still 
whether it's digital or whether it's like back then, passing out flyers, does that work ethic that obviously y'all had? If y'all were willing, the fact that you all were willing to do that, there's a work ethic. Uh, mm-hmm. And from what I remember just hearing stories, it seemed like it paid off. So some of those shows, like your album release and all, um, what was the crowds like? Oh, it, it varied, right? Yeah. So the, some of the pop-up shows we were at, there were tons of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of them, not that many at all. You know, I know we played, we did a lot around St. Augustine, but we really didn't travel a whole lot. And we knew right. some other friends who traveled more. And I think part of that was because we all kind of had different obligations and stuff. It was mm-hmm. just a little difficult for us. So a lot of our, I mean, within St. Augustine, I think we did have a fair amount of buzz for a minute, but outside, probably none at all. We went to Orlando once. Yeah. No, twice. We went to Orlando twice. And one time we were able to do some pretty cool stuff there. One time we were mostly recording and uh, we were able to kind of meet some people and do some stuff. And another time I think we had set up a show through somebody and uh, it was like, I think we went on, we ended up going on pretty early and we're like, it was, it was it was, it's just such a funny memory to me because we had driven all the way down there and really built ourselves up for the show. And I think there were like five people in the audience. You know, it's one of those shows you just hear from people that go on tour, go to places they've right. heard of you before. And, and, you know, you kind of get these guarantees like, Oh, the bands you're playing with, they're going to really bring a crowd. You're going to get all this exposure and stuff. And then you show up and there's like, they're telling, they no. tell you playing an hour earlier than you thought you were. And there's like five people in the audience. And you go, Oh, great. This was, you know, totally worth the trip. So we, we had a few, I think we had a few experiences like that and got discouraged. And we're like, well, we'll just stay in our little bubble. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, this is working well. So we'll just, we'll do that. But the St. Augustine shows were good. And a few of those, especially the festivals, I think those ones that I was t- uh, talking about, like the Blood Moon Fests and their, mm-hmm. the Moon Fest and stuff out um, at some of those Dobbs warehouses were awesome. There were a lot of people out there, more than I could count, um, and a lot of really amazing bands too like some of the some of the bands that we really respected around that time like lighthouse music you probably yep. heard of them from back then they they and and several of them are really good friends of ours to this day and they've gone on individually to each do really amazing interesting projects themselves yeah uncle marty was in lighthouse wasn't he uncle marty was yeah and then uh, lady doug too mm-hmm. um and she, and her projects are really cool um, and then a couple of the other ones have come on, like Davis um, Hart, he went on to start um, Pulp Arts now, which is in Gainesville, mm-hmm. which is like a recording studio slash kind of like art collective. Right. Um, and they're doing some amazing work. Um, and he like, they had this, Lighthouse was like famous back then for having this bus that ran on vegetable oil that was painted like the St. Augustine Lighthouse that they would tour in. <laughs> And uh, and they they did make a name for themselves outside of St. Augustine too. They were doing really yeah. well. Um, and he, I think he kind of, from what I've heard, he got really into that. And I think he like had like had a like a small fleet of those buses now that he rents out to up and coming bands in Gainesville. Wow. Um, and you know, so that they can go on tour and everything. So that mm-hmm. was. A really cool, I'm not sure if he's still doing that, but I heard about that at one point, and that sounded really cool to me. So he does that, and then uh, another guy, Cody. Wicker from that band is now it's is like a great artist in St. Augustine now too. And I think he works at electric chair tattoo and, and does tattoos and stuff too. And he's fantastic. Also still an amazing musician as well. So they all went on to just, you know, which we always knew they would to, to mm-hmm. do really awesome thing, but they were out there. Those, those festivals, there were, I think the doers were, were around at that point yeah. too. Yeah. The twin um, brothers. Yep. 
Yeah. And then, like I said, like kind of early days of before Young Step was Young Step, all those, all those musicians were doing different things around town at those points too. And there were a lot of other bands too, that have since kind of moved on and become other mm-hmm. things. Um, but yeah, those warehouse shows were some of the best I remember. And then the biggest crowd we ever had was, I think at that CD release that we did. And I can't, I couldn't tell you how many it was definitely because we were doing tickets. I'd have to look at, it was definitely over a hundred people. I think it was well over a hundred people that show up that night. Yeah. I've heard um, stories and especially for that <laughs> time, that's a big crowd. That was a big crowd for that time. I mean, if you were, yeah, I mean, for playing a show that wasn't somewhere that's like a, like a, a venue, you know, right. which I think the only places at that point that were, you know, the only venues that were bringing in those kind of crowds were probably like Cafe 11. Yeah. Maybe at that point. Right. Um, and then, yeah, that was pretty much it. So yeah, for those warehouse shows to, to get that big um, was, I think it was kind of a bigger deal around town. That It felt like a big deal to us. I'll say that we were, we were happy about it. Um, oh yeah. You know, as these, these, this small town band, you know, we were, we were ecstatic to have that many people come out mm-hmm. um, and enjoy the music and, and buy the CD and, and just have a good time. And uh, yeah, so those were, those were really fond memories for me, especially for all of us. Um, because yeah, shows are a little different now. It doesn't, maybe at least to me, um, I don't, I don't think we've been able to recapture that kind of that sense of um, how special that was because right. it was sort of a one-time thing, you know, you put all this work into it and it's like at this place that you don't only have shows and it's kind of, it's sporadic and it's, and it's, you know, it's spontaneous and, and, and wild and weird, you know? Um, yeah. And I missed, I do miss that. Yeah. That's kind of the magic of what a local scene can bring. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so y'all did that. I'm going to go ahead and say it. You know, from the way I've heard people talk about it again, it was before my time, but that was a that was a pretty that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. At least a hundred people. Pretty, you know, all the stories I said it was over a hundred people at an album release of a band like that in a warehouse. You don't have a legit venue. Uh, y'all really y'all <laughs> were doing something, you know. Mm-hmm. And then life just kind of started to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, it you know, and I think we had a few things. Tyson, the uh, bass player I mentioned earlier, he'd been in the band mm-hmm. for a long time. Him and Tim, Tim have been playing for, I'm not even honestly sure how long, but it's like as long as I'd known the two of them. They right. And, uh, and he ended up, he had to move to Kansas City. Um, and so we kind of went, we, we recorded a bunch of stuff before he left because we knew he was leaving and we like, we knew he needed to be on this next group of songs. So we like devoted, I think a couple months to that before he left and then he left. And then we kind of went into this mode of kind of limbo. We, we knew we couldn't really play shows. We didn't exactly know because he was such a crucial member of the band. Right. We didn't exactly know how to do it without him. Um, so we kind of just started working on these songs that we recorded, kind of putzing around with that. And then I think around that time was when I got my internship with the construction company that I would be working for down the road. And I did that. And then I went to go work for them in Miami. And, uh, right. and so I think what, between, between all that, we had had a couple of the people play bass with us, and we, yeah. which was Jay, but it just didn't, nothing really stuck quite in that interim period. Uh, we did a few things, but it wasn't a lot. And then I left and then it just really became like, as Cynthia just sort of 
became like a recording project gotcha. for like a few years after that. So, you know, you lose you lose one of the core first members, founding members, mm-hmm. Tyson. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, you, you played with a few different for a little while. Mm-hmm. But then you also move for this construction yeah. thing. Uh, from what you said, it became a recording project. So I'm getting the idea with all of that, there wasn't a, well, let's just hang it up. Was there no. ever that? No, you know, I don't think so. We, mm-hmm. I think for a minute we weren't sure, but Andrew and Tim were determined. I, I seem to remember something being said around that time that they said, well, we're going to be keep making music together regardless. And, gotcha. um, and I was still interested in, I, we had had all these songs, like I said, that we had started recording with Tyson and we were all interested in getting those done. And that's, those were, um, several of those were the songs that ended up becoming the self-titled release that we put out. Mm-hmm. I think it was in 2017. Um, and so we had that as, as far back as then, which was 2012, 2013. Uh, we had that stuff started and we knew we wanted to get that stuff done. And, and I, and Tim, um, he was, he was writing a lot of new music around that time too, still. And I think he, Around that time, he also got involved with Hit Record, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's the... Yes, you've told me about this. Yes. Yeah, it's his um, like kind of online collaboration website. And there's a lot of artists and performers and other people who go on there and contribute stuff. So Tim got involved with that. And he was really active in that community for a while. Mm-hmm. And then him and Andrew were still working on music as well. And they were sending me stuff and I was sort of involved, but I was kind of, I was really, really... Um, my time was really taken up what i was doing down in miami and at um, the time i mean at the time you're doing music did uh did you think you know that you were more carpentry contractor that this internship did you think that was the future more so than music mm-hmm. or was it i mean no no i didn't really i i took the job um, for several reasons, but mm-hmm. it, at the time it seemed like the best decision that I could have, like that, that I could make it. It was right. like, they kind of made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and I just felt like I needed to go do it and I needed the experience and everything too. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 to be honest, I wasn't hundred percent sure what I wanted at that point. I think I was sort of trying the shoe on to see if it fit. A 20 something year old, not sure what they want to do. Yeah. Seems, right. Seems part of the course, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah it's you know that point in your life you're just not 100 percent sure i think there was i think in the back of my mind i knew mm-hmm. that i didn't want to do that forever okay i think from the get-go I, um that it, that it really wasn't for me and i think people around me knew that too i think people who were close to me even down there um on the job knew that it maybe wasn't what i wanted um and I stuck with it as long as I could. And I'm yeah. glad I did because I really, I did learn a lot. And like I said, a lot of it was ended up being kind of more management experience. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the, you know, it was, it did turn into sort of uh, like kind of a desk job and I was really assisting project managers and that sort of thing. So a lot of it was like kind of almost this like business management sort of experience that really has kind of since applied to a lot of things that I do now. I bet. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it. Right. I don't think I'd be the person I am today if I hadn't, but yeah, I, I I think I knew it wasn't for me, mm-hmm. and I, I really felt like I I needed to get back to um, 
to doing creative work. I think that was the main thing, you know, more even than, than just not really liking being at a desk and, and not really feeling at, feeling at home in the construction industry. I think more than all of that, it was the lack of kind of having a creative outlet okay. that, that really brought me back into all of this. Um, mm-hmm. And that was why, that, you know, and that was why I kind of, I still sort of kept involved as much as I could with Best of Cynthia at that time. And, you know, cause anytime that they made something new, I was like, I want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Send it to me. I need, I need something, you know, give me something to, to think about. That's not this. And, um, and so I was, you know, I was kind of rooting for them, for them from afar. And, uh, and I think I, yeah, I think I always had it back in, my, in the back of my mind that I wanted to come back to that. Okay. And so did, did the video stuff, um, like what you do now, did that start in while in Miami or is that more when you decided that it was time to come back? I think it started. Um, I, my job took me mm-hmm. from Miami to uh, Cape Canaveral. I was actually okay. working on a building out at the Kennedy Space Center. For um, people that don't know, in Florida, in Cape Canaveral is where they shoot off rockets into space. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a big thing in Florida. <laughs> it's huge. It's a huge industry, and it's, and it's yeah. even bigger now because of SpaceX and everything, too. Right. Because there, there was a period of time where it really wasn't, where they – like it was like starting in the late eighties and early nineties. They just like, they laid off half or more of the workforce out there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and it just, and then they got rid of the, the space shuttle program. And it was just like went dormant. Um, and not to go too far into that, but the reason we were out there is it, it, it's work started to pick up Gotcha. and, and people were doing more. And so NASA started building more, more facilities to kind of accommodate some of the newer, like all these contractors that have come in now, like, you know, like SpaceX and stuff to do stuff out there. Right. Um, so, so I was out there for like, I, I think I, I went from Miami to there in 2015 ish, 2014, 2015, somewhere between there. And, and I was there for like almost three years. Okay. But that's a lot closer than Miami. Yes. So around that time, and I'd like fully transitioned to like the desk work at that point. Right. And around that time I went, well, now I'm not five hours away. Now I'm an hour and a half away, you know, you're driving fast (laughs) hour and 45 minutes, maybe two hours. Yeah. Two hours, two hours. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, now I'm a lot closer, you know, at at least, you know, at least a couple of times closer. So, um, so at that point I felt like I could start messing around with stuff with us as Cynthia again in in a bigger capacity. And uh, so that was when we started playing together again. That was when Jay joined up as our bass player, um, who's our bass player now. Um, and he's an old friend of me and Andrew as well. I've known him since we were little kids. Um, and he's a fantastic musician. He's just super brilliant at everything he does. But uh, so we, we kind of reformed as a band at that point and decided, well, we're going to really try to finish this album that we've been working on for way too long now. <laughs> and uh you know let's let's get it done let's do it and uh and, and at that time kind of like we talked about earlier we realized that in in the time that i've been gone and the time that we'd kind of been you know just recording and not really doing much the the scene had changed yeah you know, things had changed and that was it's like we were talking about earlier it was no longer like 
if you wanted to promote yourself, you didn't go out and just talk to people on the street anymore. You had to have an Instagram and a YouTube and an online presence, and you had to be making events on Facebook and you had to be promoting yourself constantly and stuff. And we kind of, we're a little old school and we were sort of slower to realize that, but we started to realize it and we, we kind of went, well, if we're going to, if we're going to put out all this music, if we're going to do this stuff. We need to, we're going to have to start, um, you know, making some content. You know, that's the way, that's the way people are doing it now. We got to make it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that was around the time I, I bought a camera. I'd always been interested in this kind of stuff. I, I like when I was younger, I had a, my parents camcorder and I'd like made several really terrible movies. <laughs> and, like, oh, I, I want to see every one uh, of them. They'll probably make it to the internet one of these days. Yes. I don't know. I know Andrew really wants me to, cause he was involved with some of them, but they're okay. off, but, but I used to, uh, they were, you know, those old school kind of like the little cassettes within the cassettes. Yeah. And I, we, I had like, I got my hands on like two VCRs and I would like tape, I would edit the movies basically by taking from the tapes, you know, the daily tapes and, and just recording them to the parts that they needed to be recorded to in the master tapes to edit together like a film. And then I put in music and all kinds of stuff. And it was, I mean, I guess it was kind of impressive for being a kid at the time. Yeah, so they were there. I mean, looking back on them, they're they're absolutely horrendous. But I mean, you know, I, I was really thinking about a lot of that stuff early on. So that's yeah, cool. So video really started for you at a young age, and maybe you kind of went away from it or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It was it, yeah. I had an interest in it as a hobby, mm-hmm. but it was not feasible at any point when I was growing up, and even when I was going into college, right. it wasn't really feasible at our my personal budget level to do it professionally. And now things Mm -hmm. are so much different because like we've talked about with the rise of the internet, with the rise of content, all this stuff, there's also been a rise in all this pro gear that is so much more affordable and so much more accessible than it would have been 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, And and cameras are just getting better and better and the equipment's just getting better and better for a lower price. So, I mean, you know, bands now can record themselves and mix and master their own music and sound you know, just as good as anything on the radio. Pretty darn good. And yeah. Similarly, similarly, if you if you take the time to to know your stuff and you know what you're doing and you devote a lot of time to it, um, you know, someone who isn't a multimillionaire in Hollywood can make something that looks cinematic. I think right. it still takes an investment. It still really takes some like it 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 takes a lot of um of patience and a lot of uh, work ethic. But like, but you don't have to be a big time Hollywood producer anymore to make, mm-hmm. to make content that people watch. And that right. was the big change that happened during that point. And, and we were seeing that as a band, we were seeing the changes that happened in the music industry and how people, how content was viewed and how online presence was viewed. And then as somebody who was always interested in film, I was also seeing the changes that were happening just in, in I think video content as a whole on right. the internet. And this, these were these two things were happening at the same time, right? I was just seeing all of this kind of play out, and I think at one point I I sort of wanted to dip my toes in the water and see what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and so Cynthia was the best way to do that. So we we started making videos for ourselves, like music videos, performance videos, and then we also kind of dabbled on hit record with like doing some fun little skits for hit record, and we like did a couple contributions for some of the commercials they were doing around that time. And we like I don't know if some people in Zanoisi might know this. We like ended up on this one commercial that Hit Record did for uh, Samsung, 
for one of the, like the, I think it was like the galaxy phone that was coming out at the time or something. And, uh, and they had taken contributions from people all over. And we did one as a band in front of the fort in downtown St. Augustine. This was around 2015 or 16. And, um, and we like had recorded this whole thing. We like performed this song or they were going to put the commercial like in front of the fort and people were watching us. And there's people up on the fort, like dancing and stuff like that. And like a second long clip, like you <laughs> blink and you miss it. But like a second long clip of that ended up in this commercial. And a few people that knew us said, is that, was that best of Cynthia? And I was like, <laughs> right when we were like kind of getting back into it and we were like, yeah, you know, that's, that, that's the kind of thing we need. That's what we need right there to get ourselves out of there. So we right. started just really trying to, to do a lot of that. So, and, okay. and that was, that was, those were my first experiments in the, in the like semi-professional video world, you know? So there's something that you guys had uh like especially you and tim um you were aware of the changes uh, and i feel like so you, you talk to artists and some artists will try to dive in some artists mm-hmm. will try to push back and not want to change mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes that's just because you know they want they're stubborn and sometimes it's mm-hmm. because well, I'm good at this. What if I'm not? What if the times are changing and passing me by? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there ever a fear of things have really changed? I mean, we, or were y'all already ingrained enough and had been and been observing enough that you knew you could go into the more digital video and all realm? No, I think that there was the fear for sure. I think any, any band that's been around for a while, there's that moment that you're talking about. And I think we still live with it to a certain degree because we are kind of of a different age, you know, yeah. and, and it is, it's tough, you know, as much as even me, like as much as I'm, you know, kind of now several years on really ingrained in this whole, um, this world of, you know, increased internet presence and accessibility and all this kind of stuff, I'm not always comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not the kind of person that can post every day <laughs> on all my accounts. And if you look at Best of Cynthia, we're definitely not. We, we struggle with that yeah. um, because it's, it's just, it's hard to keep up with. And, and we still are very much, you know, we've always been kind of a DIY band. We've always referred to ourselves as that from the get go. Mm-hmm. And, and we still are very much, but we also, we really, um, we, we think through a lot of the content that we put out and we want it to be good and we want it to be engaging. And I think we've always had a hard time with just sort of just tossing things out there willy nilly, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we over, we just crucially, we overthink everything. We've always when do like, you just good. let it go? When yeah. You, and, and yeah. that's, that's constantly been a struggle for us. And I think it still is that we, we overanalyze. I mean, it took us five years to make an album. You know, we overanalyze everything, go find you home over and over and over again. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a struggle. And I think we are, we still think about that a lot. And we still, we still worry that we can't keep up Mm -hmm. with the pace of, of kind of being a band in the digital age. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and, and I, it's been kind of, I think for me, I've been trying to kind of make it a sort of personal journey for myself to sort of, to, to ingrain myself more in this world and to kind of understand it, but also to come to understand kind of where I fit into it too, because right. 
I, I still don't think even for bad club media for everything I do, I'm not the kind of person who who does post every day. I'm not the kind of person who um, can just, I think, constantly be putting out content. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer to be a little more deliberate. Right. I, 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 I like bigger projects. I like devoting myself to something for a few weeks or a month or even a few months at a time and, and working on it and getting it right. And then only then, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> putting it out into the world right. and letting everybody see it. You know, I, I'm, I'm still that kind of artist, you know, mm-hmm. I sort of, I hover over my work and say, it's not done yet. Don't look, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm that person. And I, yeah, I don't think that's ever going to go away. So being that type of person, you were obviously you and your bandmates were that type, those types of people. Like you say, it took five hours of five hours, five years, put the album out. But as I mentioned, you all were observant. You kind of mm-hmm. went back into a rebirth of video now that it was somewhat more accessible uh, where you could and you needed to for the band. So mm-hmm. as stepping away from the band into now, you know, you've already said the name Bad Cloud Media. So at what point did you... I'm going to use this not as a negative, but at the term, at the time, we'll say you were playing around with video work mm-hmm. for Bessa Cynthia. When, oh, when did that start turning into a more of a focus of I want to do this mm-hmm. and then what became into Bad Cloud? I think it was around 2000. 16 or so you know we've been doing some of the stuff with Buster Cynthia for a while at that point we've done uh you know a couple little performance videos we've done a lot of stuff on hit record and um and I was having fun with it and I wasn't having fun at my job (laughs) like I mentioned and I think it was yeah around like 2016 or something we did a couple live videos that I put on YouTube and one was for like a tiny desk submission uh, cause they do, you know, the, the NPR tiny desk they do every year. I'm not sure if they're doing it right now, pandemic, but usually they have, they kind of open it up for, um, for, uh, like a contest for, right. you know, small, small time musicians to, to see if they can get on tiny desk. So we were like, you know, we didn't have any illusions that we were going to get it, but we we're like, you know, why not? We've got all this. Give it a shot. Know, let's just try it. You know? Yeah. We did a performance for that. And then around the same time too, we did another one that was just for a song that we had done on hit record at the time called fractionated. And we put that, we just decided to do a live performance of that. And we filmed it. Uh, it was me and um, uh, Jay's girlfriend at the time, his wife now Meg filmed it and I edited it together and we put those out and we got just like, we got a really good response from the local community on that. Right. Uh, and from, and, and from our hit record community too, that we were kind of like working with at that point. And, and there were several people that said, you know, these look really professional. This is like, this is really next level. Who did this? And, um, and you know, whether they were right or not, I'm not sure. Cause I, it, but it, it was, it was really encouraging to hear that at the time. And, uh, and I, it did start to make me think like, well, you know, I, I'm obviously learning a lot of things. I'm getting better at what I do. Um, maybe I could make something out of this. And, and I had local performers kind of come up to me too and just say, you know, yeah, there's really not many people around here doing stuff like this. And would you be interested in doing something like that for our band? If, you know, if we could, if we could get it together and I said, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, 
I think that was like, that was when it started to kind of, the seeds started to sprout in my mind of, well, like maybe, maybe this is something, maybe this is an alternative for me. Okay. All right. So the bands, like some of the locals saw what you had done for Bessa Cynthia. Mm-hmm. And they, and so they needed it uh, themselves. And so it sounds like you just, you jumped to that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was, it was just more getting that encouragement, right. You know, that, that, that level of interest. And I think, you know, cause, cause some of the people that talked to me at that time, um, I probably didn't kind of loop around and work with until a little while later, mm-hmm. but it was just, just the fact that there was interest. Right. Um, because I didn't really have the time at that at that point anyway. I was I was so busy with other things. But right. just and you weren't interest. You weren't living in St. Augustine back yet, right? This was still no. I was still in Cape Canaveral at the time. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. It, so but the, but it it made me start thinking. Well, what if I did move back? You know, what if I did start start to do this as a as like kind of a career? The scary um, artistic questions. You know the, exactly. Do I? Yeah do I stay with the job right now that I hate, but it's stable mm-hmm. <laughs> and it pays the bills or do I leave that behind and go off into this kind of new scary career that while it could be potentially much more fulfilling personally and much more rewarding, um, will most likely not be nearly as lucrative, at least in the short term. Right. Yeah. That's, I think a lot of people that, go into anything like this probably have that moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it is you're absolutely right it's a scary moment and and some people some people never get past that moment on their artistic journey um, no yeah. yeah so and i get that i could yeah. i could have easily at that point gone nah <laughs> too 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 risky you know mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick with what i know and just leave it leave it as you know leave this as a hobby I could see that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I would never uh, look down on anybody for mm-hmm. backing down from that and making that decision, honestly, because it, it is, it's, it, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe you're not like, maybe it's not what you want. And you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you, maybe you think that that is, and it's, it's not, maybe uh, you really would like to be more secure. Um, Cause this, you know, that kind of lifestyle is not for everybody. Right. You know, that that journey of 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 embarking on a on something like that is not for everybody. Right. For sure. Yeah. Uh I think you know, and I think that's not the only thing that says uh, who someone or what makes someone a true artist versus not. Uh, but it definitely has to play a role. Um, you know, yeah. into being an artist or how far you can go as an artist. Uh uh, but like I said, it's, it's those scary questions. Some people go and some people step out and some people don't. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there a certain thing that caused you I mean, to step out, say, I'm going to go for this? I don't know if it was any one thing. Mm-hmm. I thought about it for a long time before I made the move. And like yeah. I said, it was like early 2016 that this kind of started to germinate in my head. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it was not until like, I think March of 2017 that I actually left. I mean, it was like February, 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. I, I put in my resignation at my, right. at my job. So it there was like almost a year there that I sat around going, well, I won't I, when I'm going to do it. I don't know. Right. It's probably going to happen eventually. 
And um, during that year, were you mainly did had you start working on other projects on the side, or were you still just the mainly the best of Cynthia? Mainly, but I think I had. Yes, I, I did film. I filmed a couple things for some local bands. Okay, and I think I had at least shown up to Sarbez with the camera at least once, maybe twice at that point. Right. So you uh, were you were definitely. Uh, what's the term wetting your lips with it yeah oh i was exploring i was yeah. exploring the possibility more and more seriously as as i think 2016 went on and as yeah we had close to 2017 i was i was very much exploring the possibility and i think by the time like january february 2017 i had made a decision i said gotcha this, this is what i'm going to do and i i think if you know like i said i couldn't point to one thing in particular but definitely just encouragement from people around me I think a lot of my close friends, people in the Best of Cynthia uh, family knew that I, I wasn't happy mm-hmm. doing what I was doing. And honestly, people I, I worked with at that point knew too. Right. And, and they all encouraged me um, after talking to them to go in this direction. And um, so I, I, think it was, I think it was that too, you know. I think people who knew me maybe better than I know myself. Um, <laughs> so That's the big thing, yeah. Yeah, saw, yeah. saw that I, my heart wasn't in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. and that this was this was right for me you know yeah listening to the people that know you that's a big deal yeah you know yeah because sometimes you don't sometimes you get a little you get a little hazy on that <laughs> you know you may maybe you think you know yourself but mm-hmm. um you know indecision starts to weigh in and um you know it can, it can become a little overwhelming sometimes right all right so you so you made the decision you put in your resignation you moved back to saint augustine and you just immediately started getting these huge gigs doing, right? <laughs> no. No. No, okay. no, no. I had almost nothing to do for several months, I think. Uh, I was still, I, it was great because I was doing more with us, Cynthia. Right. And, I mean, immediately. And we were like, really starting to get in gear around that point. And that was like, you know, we've been practicing already for a while and stuff. So we were like, okay, well, let's make some plans to do some shows. We're going to make some more content. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, I got to hit their ground running with some of that. And like I said, I think I had a, a few things that I'd lined up mm-hmm. at that time with some locals that I did, but it was a very, very minor jobs. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't have a lot going on. And I think I, I floated for a few months there, I remember. Um, I mean, I, I was just trying to find a place to live. I also, I had like lined up this, job doing carpentry work at that point too so i kind of mm-hmm. like finding my footing with that right um, just bills so I, I was focused on that for a minute too so no it took a little while before i really looped back around to focusing on this sort of dream again and i think the moment came in the summer of 2017 so it had been a few months that i've been back and right it, it took me a while to get kind of back i'd gotten a little steadier i'd kind of gotten back on my feet again okay I'd been out and filmed a couple things just sort of kind of as an amateur and stuff. And that was, it was around that summer I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start really devoting some time to this. And, um, and I, I started, uh, I started taking some classes kind of like online, so like, or like kind of doing like online workshop sort of stuff. Started watching okay. Videos, you know, you like anybody will tell you that gets into this kind of stuff. I already knew a good bit, but YouTube was like my best friend. <laughs> in those early days and, and kind of, you know, I'm a graduate of the YouTube school of, of 
cinematography probably, which I think a lot of people are these days, but, um, but I just started investing a lot of my time in, in, in reading and, and watching stuff online and, and really um, trying to, to learn this craft. And then at the same time, getting some more gear, um, learning that gear, learning how to use it, and then kind of finally uh, going into, you know, okay, am I going to make this a business? Is, is this going to be a thing? And then, you know, I, I, I basically that summer over the course of several months, formed what would become bad cop media and um and went ahead and you know started the llc and did all the all the boring business stuff that you got to do to get yourself right off the ground yeah for sure so but again i'm hearing this work ethic uh the hours you got to put in you know because mm-hmm. you know like people people have a talent you obviously whether you realize it whether you will admit it or not um, aside from yes, good equipment can make things look great. There's a talent involved. And I feel there's people that have talent mm-hmm. and they want, and they want to just fast forward to the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's that work ethic where you aren't making a lot of stuff, but you're learning your time. Like you said, you YouTube and reading and hours put into that so there's a work ethic that you have um Mm -hmm. that sometimes gets missed uh and and again it's like you said you were like going out amateurly doing stuff um was it was it ever frustrating like as you're learning was it ever frustrating you know like trying to create something or trying to do something video um, and just like taking, taking longer than you wanted to get there. Oh, absolutely. It still is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm by no means even close to being out of the woods on that. And, and I, you know, and I don't think I really will be for, for some time. Yeah. I think people who work at this kind of stuff, that's just the way it is. You're always learning. Um, yeah, constantly. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, you just kind of have to power through it because I think anybody that does this kind of stuff will tell you that it's just kind of like the curse of, of working in the creative field Yeah. that some days you like feel like when you accomplish something that you've never done before, you feel like you're on top of the world. Like you're just like, you know, I'm, I'm the best. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that I was able to do this. Like, wow. I'm just really, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm really knocking it out the park right now. And then the next day you hit a roadblock and then suddenly it's just, <laughs> you, you go, you go from that high to like the lowest low of like, Oh, I'm the worst. Um, you know, like, I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> what am I even doing with myself? Why did I even get myself into this? Why am I not working that cozy desk job? You know, like, it, it, and it's just constant that up and down. I can just and, imagine so many creatives shaking their head. Yes. Right now. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, I mean, I don't, if you're not feeling that, well, one, I want to know what you're doing to not feel that. <laughs> I want to know how you get past that. But I mean, also, I, I kind of feel like if you're not, if you don't feel that way, then you're maybe not, I don't know, you're not, you're not like hitting the whole thing hard enough or something. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it, I think it's just a byproduct of, of that, of this, 
the themes kind of work. And I think it, it that applies for music and everything mm-hmm. as well, too, being an artist and all of that. I think it's just, it's, it's the curse that goes along with it because I think when it's so rewarding to do this kind of stuff when it goes well, <laughs> and at the same time, it can be excruciating at times when it doesn't. And, uh, and that's just, that's, I think what you have to, that's what you sign up for yeah. when you do stuff like this. Um, but you, you're always learning, you know, and right. you're always progressing and, and hopefully, um, you can have enough self-awareness to know at the end of the day that it is worth it. And that every, you know, every low spot is still another stepping stone onto something greater. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and you keep challenging yourself, you know, I, I think, I think you have to keep putting, you have to keep putting those moments in front of yourself, um, that, that scare you. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes make you, and, and sometimes make you doubt yourself, you know, like, I, I, I think you have to have that. Um, and, and you have to fail sometimes too. Sometimes you put those, sometimes you take on a project and you're not sure if you're going to be able to do it. And, and maybe you didn't do it as well as you, as you hoped you would. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to learn something from that. And probably the next time you do something similar to that, you're going to know how to do it better. Right. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's all part of the process. And I think, I think the high points and low points are all part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, that's constant. I still feel that on a daily basis. And definitely at that point, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know what I was doing early on. And, and, yeah. uh, and I, I, you know, and I, I mean, I, I did to a certain extent, right? Like, obviously there was, I knew enough to know that this was something I wanted to do and to feel confident enough to go forward with it. Mm-hmm. But I was also coming from a place of, you know, of like, of going like, whoa, I mean, I just quit my job. I, I didn't go to film school, you know, so I, I've got to right. like, I've got to work that much harder to try to get myself back up to what I consider to be a baseline to where I feel like I can be competitive in this field. Right. I got to try to absorb as much as I can. And in those early days, a lot of that was just getting out there, turning the camera on, filming, seeing, you know, what looks, what I think looks good, what doesn't, you know, what, what you know, getting out to some of those shows, you know, when that was some of the first stuff I did at, at Sarbez um, and just looking at like, well, today I got out there and I filmed some stuff and I don't really think that worked. That doesn't really feel that great to me. Mm-hmm. What didn't work about that? And the next time coming out, well, no, that one really looked good. That, that really did work. Um, you know, what did I do there that was different from what I did before? And then, and same thing with editing, just, you know, feeling it out and going, well, that feels good there. That doesn't, you know, that cut doesn't really do much for me, but here, if I cut here, this makes me feel something. And, uh, and you just kind of learn by doing, and, and I had that and I had just fortunately at this, you know, at, at this point, there's so many resources online that when you want to learn something, you can go and and, right. and devote hours to watching people do it and, 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 you know, try to get a handle on what it is that you're, that you're trying to learn. And, and I was fortunate enough too in those first couple of years to get linked up with some people who really do know a lot and right. kind of took the wing and showed me some things too. Gotcha. And, uh, and kind of, kind of, that, that made it so that I could really start moving forward. I mm-hmm. think in a way that, that, um, to where I started to feel like I'm actually getting a handle on this. Like I'm making some progress. Gotcha. Yeah. And so like, I knew you at that time, obviously there was best of Cynthia, but then I also knew you because you were starting to show up at these shows. You were starting to show up mm-hmm. at Sarbez where, you know, I was booking mm-hmm. some and you were popping in with a camera. Uh, you mm-hmm. started hooking up with the sound guy that was there with, um, mm-hmm. with the music and the visual aspect, you know, using the, him being able to use the soundboard and everything. Um, yeah. 
so you started making a buzz. You had bad cloud media, like you mentioned. You had to go through all of that red tape of making it a, a business, which that in itself, some people really don't do. You know, think mm-hmm. there's so many people that uh, start doing this stuff as a business on the side and pushing it. Um, and it's like a side hustle. But when you mm-hmm. start talking LLC, there's whole other aspects involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you it, know, so it's the less glamorous side for sure. Right. <laughs> so you start, you start stepping into all this. Um, at the time, were you already thinking like music videos, like, or, uh, or were you more thinking like the live music video aspect, you know, like, I had it in the back of my head that I really wanted to do music videos mm-hmm. um, because that's, that had kind of been when I first, you know, going back to best of Cynthia, when I first got into gear, that was right. sort of our goal. That, was, know, that, that was, was idea. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if we, we, if we ever a hundred percent got, we did a couple of videos at that point, mm-hmm. music videos, but I wouldn't consider them kind of, um, you know, I, I think the kind of productions that I like to take on today, they were definitely me sort of feeling my way through at that right. point. But but it had been in the back of my head that yes, I wanted to do more, um, yeah, like bigger productions, that sort of okay. stuff. But I knew I needed, to, in order to do that, I knew I needed two things. I needed more experience, just more experience behind the camera, um, more experience editing, you know, to music, because editing to music is its own thing, you know, and it's it's different from film editing or editing a documentary or that sort of thing. Editing to music is is very much about the feeling and about the rhythm. And, uh, and as a drummer, I, I think I, I think I have kind of an appreciation for that, especially for that, the sort of rhythm of, of video editing. Yeah. I would assume so that you being a drummer, you being a musician brings uh, marriage of the two arts. It, it certainly uh, helps me to kind of think about things um, in, in a very sort of musical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why I'm drawn to to music videos and and, and that side of cinematography, especially. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that was always in the back of my mind. But I, I knew I needed experience behind the camera, and I knew I needed if I was going to do that kind of stuff, I needed uh, exposure. You know, I needed to get to know people in the music scene because I, at that point, I hadn't been part of the St. Augustine music scene since um you know around 2012 2011 2012 right uh, so a lot of the bands that we knew some of the, a lot of the same people were still around but a lot of them weren't and there was a whole new group of bands that had popped up and Sarbez had become a thing during that point while I was gone and 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 I felt like if I was going to do this I you know I kind of had to make a name for myself and I but I just had to meet people too you right. know I had to be, I had to be where the music was happening at that point um, and still, it felt like Sarbez was the place where this was happening, where a lot of these new artists in St. Augustine, this new local scene was was happening, where these people were performing. So I wanted to be there. So that was when I started, like you said, I showed up with, uh, I showed up to Sarbez with my camera and started filming some events. And then eventually I, I linked up with Eric and he started recording them on the soundboard. And we got some other people involved. I put cameras in the hands of some of my friends and we started making these sort of increasingly uh, intricate, you know, concert videos from Sarbanes. Right. Sarbanes. Was there yeah. ever any fear 
of those cameras when they were in the hands of your friend, your your good friends, but your friends mm. and not you. Mm. Not, I mean, no, like not from a, like a physical standpoint. If you mean like somebody like breaking a camera or something, I, I wasn't right. really worried about that. Um, but uh, in terms of getting the shots that I wanted, mm. um, sometimes I I put I always tried to put people in charge of that that I had um, and that I have a uh, a a sense that 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 they will that they will see something you know gotcha yeah that they you know they have artistic ability and they have a good sense of of composition and what looks good and what will play well Mm -hmm. um and uh, and 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 usually i put it in the hands of people i could trust to get a good shot to get shots and then i i spent a lot of time before those shows too um you know just talking to people i was working with and saying well you know this is this is really who I want you to focus on. Like if you had a four person or five person band, I'd usually have somebody focusing on two of the people on mm-hmm. one side of the page so I could focus on the others. Cause I kind of, in my mind, I knew how it would cut together. Gotcha. So, yeah. I, I would, I would usually take some time before the gig to explain that and kind of, you know, make sure everybody was on the same page, but no, I, I, I usually had confidence in the people I was working mm-hmm. with and, and usually it turned out very, very good. It sounds like you use some of that uh, business management uh, skills that you had learned, <laughs> you know, just working with the people. Yeah, I think definitely. Uh, I think I still do a lot. Yeah. It's like that too. You, I think when you work, especially in construction, you know, like construction, when you're working for like a general contractor in specific, um, you have to learn how to delegate. Mm-hmm. because you can't do everything yourself and a lot of times as a general contractor what you're doing is delegate because a general contractor nine times out of ten doesn't build the building right they, you know they have we had our own some self-performance stuff like that but generally you don't you're not the people you're not the boots on the ground building the building you're managing the subcontractors and the boots on the ground building the building and mm-hmm. you're making sure that they're all talking to each other and that they're all um, you know, following the plans and that they're all there when they need to be and, and focusing on what they need to be focusing on and not overlapping with each other at the wrong times. Um, yeah, video production can be very much the same sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. from the smallest level where what we're talking about, there's three of my friends down there, you know, each filming different parts and I know how the parts need to come together as a whole. And then you've got Eric behind the board recording and I know that how that needs to be and how that's going to have to sync up with the video to bigger productions now where you have you know if you're doing like a short film or a commercial you've got different departments you got your wardrobe department your art right. department you got your camera department your grip your lighting and if you're directing you're the person that um you know you're not going to necessarily physically touch any one of those things but you have to make sure they're all being done in right. a cohesive way mm-hmm. you know? the way you want the, your vision yeah because you're going to be the one at the end of the day that's probably going to be piecing it all together. You've got the full picture in your mind. Mm-hmm. Each of those, each of those, um, you know, those either the subcontractors or each of those departments and and film has the individual piece, but you have the whole thing, and you have to make right. sure each of those individual pieces come together in a way that that works with the overall vision. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it's very comparable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I I think uh, I think I definitely learned a lot from mm-hmm. that job back then, and I. I I don't know if I would have had the confidence going into this stuff that I'm doing these days without that prior experience. Yeah. Uh, so you started doing that with Sarbez, started getting uh, the live recordings out. I remember, I remember from my vantage point, I started seeing 
uh, you were around and then I started hearing about the videos. Oh, there's a video on YouTube live at Sarbez. I think one of them was one of them, Uncle Marty. Mm -hmm. yeah, that was one of the first ones. Yeah. That I remember. Like the third or fourth, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we did, um, there was, there was a bunch. I, I cause yeah. the first few, I think that was one of the first ones where I had like that, that show, I think it was uncle Marty and there was a few other bands playing that show was one of the first where I had actually sort of, um, uh, I had at least told a few of the people ahead of time, we'd sort of like gotten together and, and figured out that I was going to show up. Cause I think mm -hmm. some of them before that I had just shown up. Right. I didn't really know who was playing. I maybe knew one band or something, but I just, just, I just showed up with the camera, had some other people come with me and we just decided to record. Right. And, and it just turned out to be a lot of those. I mean, back in those days and still, I'm sure if, it, you know, if we get shows back on the road again, but Sarbez was getting so many amazing bands from all over the place that mm -hmm. you could just show up on any particular night and you didn't know what you were going to get, but you knew it was probably going to be really amazing. And, uh, and it was well, fun. I mean, yeah, it was so much fun. And I mean, I, and I knew that and that was why yeah. I was doing that. And I, and I did, I just showed up and it would just be an incredible show almost every mm -hmm. time. But I think Uncle Marty, that one was one of the first, and I think Lady Doug was playing that show too. That was one of the first shows where I knew a lot of people that were playing and we had like made it a plan that I was going to come out and record yeah. that one. Um, and then soon after that, was uh the show that flow wave played i think that was the next lab that started after the uncle marty one was was flow waves and that was also planned ahead of time they reached out to me they had seen the other live that started videos mm -hmm. that you just mentioned and they reached out to me and asked me to come out and film that one was was that with underhill that was yes that was, you set that show up i think yeah that was yeah, yeah. i set that show up um yeah. so it was flow wave and, and the there was three acts I cannot for life for me remember all three right now but Flow mm -hmm. Wave and Underhill Family Orchestra uh, those were the Bides, big two I names. think was the other one maybe was that that same night I don't think so because it yeah. was a uh, I think Underhill was the only out of town band yeah okay. maybe it was just it may have just been the two of them that I got that night mm -hmm. I yeah, think so the third you, may have been like an opener or something yeah so you so you would done you had made enough of a buzz you'd put enough out there that flow wave who they themselves are big creators similar to you they mm -hmm. got a work ethic and they push they mm -hmm. stay on top of mm -hmm. the times uh they reached out to you i didn't know that mm -hmm. i didn't even know that yeah. i knew you were there i knew you recorded them and uh like and then you recorded underhill which underhill wasn't i mean they're not a local band they were on no. tour and that video was so yeah, from good. Alabama, I think. Yeah, that video yeah, you they, did for them. It was, was, it was great. That was a great song that we ended up putting. I got, a, I had a few more from that session mm -hmm. too, but that was the one that really stood out to me. And yeah, I, I, I think I talked to them shortly after that too because it was, um, it was kind of a, an interesting time because I think that at that point they hadn't released their album yet. No, and then it was like shortly after that they did release the album because I think they reached out to me because they had introduced the song as one name when they played it live, but they had changed it for the album. So they reached out to me and asked me to change the name of the song online. But uh, that was one of the big songs that they were pushing from that album, and I didn't know. I just really liked the song, and that was why that, that was the one I decided to put out and right. edit and everything. But um, yeah, that one that one turned out really good, and I think they were really happy about it too because they it gave them 
something at the time. I think they had a couple of other videos circulating out there, but it did give them something else at the time to kind of point to and go like, here's a recent performance of one of these songs. Um, and that kind of happened with several of the artists that I ended up recording for that. They would, you know, either put out an album right before or right after, and it would end up being at least hopefully some kind of helpful, helpful promotional material that they could use for their, for their new music. But yeah, Flow Wave reached out to me on that one and asked me to show up. I'd never met them before. And uh, we kind of hit it off immediately. And, um, and that, you know, I've done a lot of work with them now. And that was sort of the beginning of all that. So yeah, that, that, that connection came from straight from the lab at Sarbez. Yeah. So, so you did that, the Underhill family orchestra, great video. I was trying, I found it on, uh, I was wanting to pull it up. So they ended up putting it on their EPK. I don't know if it's one they still use, uh, Mm -hmm. but just. Oh, the uh, video they did? Yeah. The uh, Underhill Family Orchestra EPK. I just Googled it in videos and it's there. They ended up. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So their, uh, their promo kit, you're, you're on there. Wow. So, yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's an honor. Yeah. So you did that. And then, um, what was the song with flow wave? There was multiple, I think tech was the first one I put out. And that was, mm-hmm. that was the one where the, the two of them are on drums in the very beginning. And it's just such a cool, it's like very kind of tribal on those, but both of them have verses in that. It was, right. They, you know, their, their show was just, so captive i mean you you know how they are as performers and that show just really like it blew me away i didn't know what to expect when they re- when they reached out to me and i listened to some of their songs online and and right. it was you know it i i liked it right off the bat but i had no idea how engaging they would be on stage mm-hmm. and that first show i mean it was just you know they had that from the opening of that song the lights and it was like they put the water on the drums they had the lights up underneath and then just the sort of like the performance level was going on to like some of the later songs where they had the fire. I remember, yeah. I think they maybe got in trouble for that that night, but they had the, they had the fire that they lit, he on lit a microphone on fire. Yeah. They had that like giant fireball that came up from the drums. in that one part of the song, right. Yep. At that one at the crucial moment of that one song. Uh, I think that was moonlight actually. They did that one on mm-hmm. that time. Um, but yeah, I did tech from that performance and uh, Rasta, I think. And um, those two I put out and they were both incredible performances very different and they both bled kind of over into each other mm-hmm. and it, it was it was really just that performance really just blew me away and then they were such nice people too we i think we really just hit it off and i knew uh and i think that they must have known too that from that moment we'd be we would probably be working together again right pretty soon you know i think we just had a very similar sensibility about what we wanted to do mm-hmm. and the kind of art that we wanted to make yeah and just real quick for, you know, like listeners that wouldn't know. So like we mentioned Underhill Family Orchestra. They are what I would, I guess they're like a, they're like a modern Americana or like roots rock band. It's genres are hard to describe these days. They have, yeah. they, they very, uh, very kind of like rootsy, uh, but also, but mm-hmm. they really rock out. Um, yeah. So, and so you had that you know, that we've been talking about. And then you had same show flip low wave hip hop duo 
<laughs> um, they're both multi-instrumentalists. Definitely, uh, it's Dylan and Connor. Definitely Dylan is multi. Um, and I, Connor can play a few things too, though, right? They're both, yeah, they yeah. both play all kinds of instruments. That's um, what I thought, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, and then their hip-hop duo, like, very like artistic hip hop duo. And like what you're describing was the live performance that they put on is incredible. And they, at the same time that here you were doing this, they already as well were really getting a good, or at least from my, from my vantage point, I feel they got a, they were already getting a very good understanding as well of what internet and digital age meant for artists and musicians. You know, you talked about it earlier, Professor Cynthia realizing that that's something uh, they were, they definitely were able to tap into and realize was necessary as well. Um, so. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they're, they're tuned in mm-hmm. probably better than I am. <laughs> and they, I think they knew that from the get go and they had been making us, uh, they, they know how to generate buzz. Those right. guys. And I, I really admire that about them. And yeah. they knew from that moment, those early shows, they were, generating a buzz just because of the you know the, the how crazy their performance was like we mentioned mm-hmm. but they also knew and they had been thinking I, I think very heavily about it at that point they needed um some online content as well and right I think they were they were about ready to make the jump they had, i think done a couple of videos before that but they they hadn't done a lot with it and i think at that point they were already thinking about um really making the jump having some more uh some more interesting visual content so we kind of we we came across each other at the perfect time. Right. And I yeah. also wanted to, I wanted to say too, what you were talking about that, that show was so interesting. That was what, that's, what's amazing about shows at Sarbez sometimes is that they could be like that. And I knew that. And that's what that could show up at a show and, you know, you might have an indie rock band and then you might have a, a roots Americana sort of almost country leaning band. And then you'd have like a, like a um, sort of hip hop rock duo back to back to back. <laughs> Yeah, and it's amazing, and that, it's it's incredible when that happens, and it's just, oh man, it's like what what an exciting time to start doing stuff like this too. I was I was ecstatic. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that was great for you, and it worked out well for you, and it worked out for everybody. But that night, in that moment, I was unsure. Here's what I <laughs> here's what I knew. Underhill was incredible. Flow mm-hmm. Wave were incredible. Some people in town had caught Underhill and knew who they were. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to have a good crowd and honestly, and make some money. And I wanted to be Mm -hmm. a successful show because they Mm -hmm. really enjoyed when they had come, I think only once before to Sarbez. And Mm -hmm. I want, and they, I wanted them to have that same experience again. And so I needed a draw. Flow wave sounded nothing like them. But the energy was the same. The mm-hmm. live performance energy of those two bands mm-hmm. is the same, mm-hmm. even though the uh, the medium and the sound were completely different. And I knew Flow Wave would bring people. Yeah, and they did. But did that it, night, it, I was a little worried. <laughs> did, it, it, did it work out well for them, though? Did, did it worked out well for everybody, yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember there being a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's a testament to you too, to, for knowing that, because I think a lot of, a lot of promoters wouldn't put that together. And, and, you know, honestly, even more so, I don't think a lot of promoters would trust that connection to work. 
you know, yeah. and trust that because sometimes you have to trust that the the music, the local music scene is more varied in their taste than maybe we give them credit for. And 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 that they're gonna appreciate the same people that are gonna appreciate the energy of flow wave coming from sort of a hip hop sensibility are probably gonna appreciate the energy of this sort of roots Americana rock band as well. Yeah. You know, if it's good music, it's good music. And I think sometimes you just have to give the the audience the benefit of the doubt and just let them go on this journey. <laughs> you know? That's what I went with, crossing my yeah. fingers. But uh, it worked out for them. Uh, and obviously it worked out for you too. So now, I mean, they're not the only band, but let's kind of like, you know, so let's fast forward a little bit to what you're doing now. You did those and now you are doing the more cinematic videos with like scripts and scenes yeah. and you're yeah. doing some incredible work. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm very excited about what I would have been doing mm -hmm. recently. Absolutely. And, and I mean, just for the past few years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And let's, I mean, since we got that segue with flow wave, you know, some of it has been with them. So what uh, some of that has been, what some of that work with them been like? Just oh, it's great. People. I love, I love working with flow wave because they're, um, they're just very open to ideas. And we, we, uh, we'll usually, when we approach a project, we get together pretty early on and start kind of brainstorming and, and throwing ideas at the wall. And they're, they're, incredible both incredible artists in their own right um and they but they're also just very very open and they promote a very creative and accepting atmosphere mm -hmm. uh, not just for me but for people that we you know bring on board with these music videos and everything and i think it's it's just a lot of fun um a lot of the music videos that i do with them we get to really just play i think okay um and and kind of discover discover things as we go um the most recent one that we did no good is a, is a great example of that. Cause we, we just really, that one, we didn't really know exactly what we we're going to do. I think we traded some, some kind of images back and forth and some style choices and stuff like that. And we knew who we were going to bring out. We knew we wanted to bring um, some people from love culture and we wanted to bring Yvonne, um, obviously, but, and we, and I kind of had gone around for a couple of weeks trying to scout locations and sort of settled on that Phoenix art district up here in Jacksonville, just because of okay. how beautiful it is. And, and the fact that I felt like we could really make the most of that location over the course of several hours and not have to go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. But and it was. I just want to say real quick uh, to paint the picture for people that, you know, go check out Flow Wave, F L O W A V, the video mm -hmm. No Good that mm -hmm. you did on the Bad Cloud Media. And he's mentioning, you know, like dancers and artists. Uh, that are part of one's a rap collective called Love Culture. Uh, Juan was also on that. Juan, yeah, we knew because he's he's and he's in the song, so we yeah. knew he would be there. He has a big part in the verse of that or yeah. in the, the breakdown of that song. Yeah, and he then, has uh, a piece that I lo I love the way his vocals sound on it. But that video is incredible. So it was shot. I mean, it's shot in a place that there's a lot of graffiti and a kind of an mm -hmm. urban cool feel. That mm -hmm. you said that's the Phoenix area. Phoenix Art District is what they call okay. it. Phoenix, Phoenix Arts District. And it's up in Jacksonville. Springfield, Jacksonville here, yeah. Okay. And it's kind of like a, it's a group of old warehouses that had just been sitting sort of dilapidated for a long time. And what I believe has happened is a lot of artists have gotten their hands in these spaces and turn and are either in the process of turning them into studios and I think possibly restaurant spaces and some mm -hmm. creative spaces. 
And some of them have already, they're at varying levels of being done on the inside. But on the outside, there's all this graffiti from years of kind of being tagged on some sides. And then the, in like kind of between two of the buildings in this alley, there's just this beautiful wall art that some local artists have done too. Right. And so you can walk around this place and it's, it's like three buildings and you just, there's like every corner and crevice, there's just something different and amazing to look at. And, and uh, we had decided, well, we can spend an entire day. We can do the whole video here. We just move around, you know, from late afternoon to, to dusk. Um, and we can just get all these different shots. But other than that, we didn't really know exactly what we were going to do. We just kind of mm -hmm. got there and we had costumes and props and people who were, you know, really creative. And we just sort of, we just sort of moved around the building and just created compositions that we thought looked interesting and, and, uh, you know, and, and just tried to make a really fun, engaging video, you know, oh, yeah. and, and, and I, I, I love the way it turned out. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with it. I think had we tried to kind of, had we kind of tried to peg it down too much beforehand, I don't think it would have been as interesting as it was. Gotcha. Uh, and and I, I like that. That's, I think something that really I enjoy working with those guys is that they're very open to that and they have a lot of ideas, very creative and they love mm -hmm. just getting into a space and just, just kind of riffing. You know, I think that's just, that's how they approach music, I think too. And right. it's just how they like to approach videos, just that, you know, we, it's very collaborative mm -hmm. and it's very creative and it's very engaging. And uh, I, I love that um, about them. And so that was, yeah, that kind of started happening immediately. And that was a great connection because they were there, that the video I did years ago for them shift was the second music, like music video of this type, like kind of a bigger production that I had done. Right. Yeah, the first being Alex Brandis's Neon. Wait, uh, so that came before Neon yeah. came before Shift by like two months, but Neon we were working on for like a while before I ever right. started doing Shift, and it was it was around the same time that I got linked up with with both groups, or with mm -hmm. Alex and also with Flowwave, because they're both from Palm Coast and they know of each other too. But Flowwave, I met at that live at Sarbez we were talking about. And it was like, I think a month later, I had been asked by Ryan to come out to Sarbez for their arcade grand opening. And I filmed a little promo for that. And Alex was there and we got to talking and he mentioned this idea for a music video that he had. And we started talking about that then. And he had some footage already. And we started going over that, coming up with ideas. And we filmed some more stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, started kind of bit by bit assembling what would become Neon. And I think right like as I was editing Neon, I got together with Flowwave to film Shift. So they were both kind of happening around the same time. Okay. Uh, and I think Neon was released December 2018 and Shift was released January 2019. Okay. I think so they were like, right. It was within two weeks of each other. Gotcha. Two videos. Yeah. And, and so those, and those two, those two, um, I would say, uh, uh, friendships, you know, and collaborative friendships mm -hmm. kind of both arose from me just being at Sarbet at the right, right place at the right time. Yeah. Uh, so thinking about those, so like Shift and uh, Neon, from a viewer's perspective, they kind of tell a story and almost create a movie mm -hmm. to go with the song. Mm -hmm. um, to me, as you know, someone that grew up on music videos and MTV and all that's kind of normal. And then you have what's also another common and normal 
the flow wave one that we were talking about before from no good that's just yeah kind of like a very fun mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. just like a very fun uh music video where it's taking the performance into a i guess a i'm not a i don't know i'm not a video Mm-hmm. creator videographer yeah. in my mind though you take a performance and you just put it in different realm than you can do you know uh but yeah you, yeah you you got it i mean there's there's definitely a distinction mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's something really interesting about music videos too that i love and why i love doing this is that you can explore um you, you can set so many different uh things to music and explore right. kind of you know, different ways of, of evoking a feeling coming from a song or, or visualizing, I guess, what the song's about. And in some cases, it's more like you're almost creating a movie. You almost right. have a script and you have actors and you're telling a story. And it's like, it's like you're watching a, a, a montage, like a movie, you know, just set to music for a little while. And then sometimes it's just about putting together interesting images, you know, mm-hmm. that, that go along with how the song makes you feel you know, and, and, uh, and it may not be scripted at all. There's no story really. The story is just how you feel about the song. And, and sometimes it's just fun, you know, it's, right. just, it's just having fun and creating something that's, that's interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, I don't know if anyone's told you this. I'm pretty sure I've told this to Aramis. Neon watching the video and everyone Go watch it. I don't want to paint the picture for you, but go watch it. Go watch Shift. Uh, just look up all the bad cloud stuff, the Flow Wave and uh, <laughs> Alex Paramus. Um, Thank you. It's all there because uh, it's all really, really good. But the Neon, to go back to a music video that's also telling a story and it's kind of a movie in a way. Mm-hmm. That video made me think of Michael Jackson music videos. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, and when he was doing that with video, at least for me being a student of music history, uh, I've always been told and under the impression that he was one of the first to really do that. Create, yes. like make a music, make a short music video also feel like a movie. And hadn't seen that much since then. Not really. Um, definitely had not seen that from someone out of a town like St. Augustine with an <laughs> artist that is not a big name. I mean, you, you created the, uh, such a music video that I, you know, I would say it's like on a level um so high above a a lot that's out there right now you know i mean to already be doing that you know when at the time you're virtually a you know still kind of fledgling just getting started in a lot of ways i mean how many music videos had you done at that point that was really the first one that i would consider that level of production i right. did like i said i did a couple for best of cynthia before that but they were mm-hmm. like they were I, I think that they were kind of operating on sort of different that we would just film some kind of random stuff over the course of a day and and chop it together and put it to music and technically that is a music video but right nothing like nothing quite so 
um, so deliberate mm-hmm. and so planned out as as Neon was. Um, and, and first of all, I'd say we crafted that too because there was really Alex was heavily involved in the direction mm-hmm. of that music video, um, and him and I really collaborated on that um, pretty intensely. And, and a lot of like I mentioned, the footage that we used for that he had had already. Okay, I, I didn't film all of that video. Mm-hmm. Um, he had already filmed some of that stuff, like at the the kind of story elements at Sarbez and that sort of stuff, and stuff with the car he had had. But he had like, I think they had just gone. It was him and Ashley, who's uh, the girl that's featured in the video, and um, and then two people that he knew with cameras had gone just and had this. They had they. I think borrowed that car from somebody and they'd gone to Sarbez and they sort of just, I don't think they really planned it out, but they just sort of went to Sarbez, they danced, they put some music on, they played some games, they had fun. They drove down the road a few times. They went to some fun locations. They went to magic beach hotel, which is a pretty famous motel around here um, uh, near Volano. And it was, which was what his EP was named after too. But they, they just went around and they filmed everything. And they had, when he came to me, they had like, three maybe four hours of footage it was yeah it was nuts. so much but it was good a lot of it was really great yeah um but and I, the first thing we did is we just started going over that footage and and you mentioned the thing about michael jackson and that was really kind of alex's vision mm-hmm. um he he really wanted it to have that feel exactly like you meant those early days of mtv when um when people were really experimenting with and exploring what a music video could be and how cinematic it could be. And, and hundred percent, Michael Jackson was at the forefront of that. I mean, he had Martin Scorsese direct that, you know, that's right. Like, yeah. You know, that's, that's nuts. And I think that was the first time anyone had, had a big director, a big name director mm-hmm. in a music video. And it kind of changed the game. He wanted that, um, that level, level of, of, you know, just, he wanted it to be that cinematic, you know? Um, and we really leaned into that with the effects and everything. And that was why we went through that footage. We kind of put together this story started to form and we, we figured out that some elements worked and some elements didn't. And we kind of whittled it down um, over the course of a month or so. And then we decided, well, if we really want to have this MTV feel, you know, we need some performance shots. You know, right. we need, we need you in your element. I really wanted to push this, this, kind of persona this like figure that alex had on that ep this that that kind of that the alexis paramus the sort of grander persona that he has when he's on stage right and um and so we did film those specifically for that video and i think i put together a whole lookbook of of the colors we were going to use and how it's going to be cut intercut with the footage that he already had and and all this and and he liked that and then we went and did it and i think we spent like three months after that editing and going over different effects and different, you know, transitions and, and just really went over with a fine tooth comb. And, and Alex has a like keen, keen mm-hmm. eye for editing. He's, uh, he's, he's really, really good. And he was, um, he was a big, big part of that and the way that felt. And I'm very proud of it. I, I, I agree with you. It's, um, I learned a tremendous amount making that video and, yeah. and I, I think we we hit the mark for what we were trying to do too. I was very proud of it when we when we finally looked at the finished product. Mm -hmm. I said, "Oh yeah, this this feels like this makes me feel how I felt when I was a kid watching those MTV music videos." That was the important thing to me. This is this feels like that to me. Um, And uh, 
And yeah, I, I, we wanted that. We wanted it to be different from what other people were doing. We wanted mm-hmm. it to feel classic, you know? <laughs> we yeah. wanted to throw it back. So yeah, it, I, uh, I'm glad you saw that parallel and that was definitely what we were going for. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's very well done. And I don't mean it to take away from like the flow wave stuff or like no good. I think no good is just as amazing. That's a different video. It's a di- to me as a as just a viewer. That's a very different video, a very different feel, you know. Sure. In it. sure. But uh, the stuff you did with that too, like that. And I don't know if it was your idea or their idea, but like the illustrations and the way everything just goes together. And I mean, you saying you found like that location. I mean that that video. I mean, obviously, I haven't seen it. The idea of it anywhere else, but that location is perfect. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, it, I agree. It feels perfect watching it. Uh, but you know, and again, you talk about you know, uh, you worked with someone like Alex that had like a keen eye for editing as well, and he had an idea. And then you talk about you know, like working with Flow Wave, where they're very co- uh, creative. You know, um, great to bring everybody in. Mm-hmm. So you're doing a lot of like collaboration. Do you find it easier as uh, a filmmaker and doing the music videos, working with artists, you know, that like really want to get into it with you in the editing and all, or do you find it easier working with artists that like, it's kind of like, here's our song. Just tell us what to do. Mm. It's all you. Mm. It's different. Right. Um, I, and and I, I think I've, I've mentioned this before too. That yeah, you you do have both, and some people really come to you with like no preconceptions about what they want at all, and some people have it already completely worked out. Yeah, <laughs> they might just in their head. And I think there's challenges to um, to each approach. You know, there's there's challenges and there's benefits to each approach. Um, when uh, when an artist comes to me and they have it all worked out, then I can kind of shift gears to um, you know, taking their idea and going, well, how can we make it practical? How can we make it work worth it within the budget? What's our schedule going to be like? You know, how can I, how can I sort of bring this vision that they have to life? And I enjoy that. That, that like, that feels very collaborative to me. Um, it also takes some of the pressure off me to initially, uh, to come up with the initial idea, but it also puts a little more pressure on too, because with, with an artist that has a very clear vision of what they want, you want to make sure that you're true to that, you know, that you do it justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's more to consider with that too, and and more, there's a lot more meetings I think, and making sure you're on the same page and all that. Yeah. Um, but you know, similarly with uh, you know, with an artist that doesn't maybe have any idea of what they want and kind of wants you to figure that out, the challenge there is from scratch, listening to the song over and over again, and coming up with a, a concept that works, an idea, then selling them on it. You know, a lot of times you want to put together some kind of little presentation to present your idea to the artist and hopefully they like it because you probably spent a lot of time on that already (laughs) by that point, you know, so, you know, you don't want to have to put all that effort in for them to say, no, that's really not, that doesn't work. That doesn't fit. So you want to make sure that you're kind of on on the right track from the get go. And, um, but that can be cool too, because it, then it really, you know, it kind of gives me and other people involved an opportunity to, um, to, kind of create something from the ground up, you know, and, and flex our creative muscles and maybe, and maybe take the song in a direction that the artist had originally envisioned. And that can mm-hmm. be fun. 
uh, it, surprising, uh, surprising an artist with something that maybe they'd been, they are so close to this music, right? They've been working on it for so long that they think about it in a certain way. And if you can take that, this piece of music that they may or not, may or may not be sick of at this point, right? right. <laughs> Which I know that struggle as a musician myself, you work yeah. on something, wow, you get kind of ingrained, you got kind of stuck in this one way of thinking about it and you get kind of tired of it. And if I can have come at it with a fresh perspective and come up with an idea that makes the artist kind of um, uh, excited about the piece of music again, it makes them think about it a little differently and see it a little differently. That can be really rewarding too. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I I love it when that works out. And I've had the opportunity to do a couple like that too, where I think I I just came into it with a, uh, like this, this whole different take. And, um, and after the fact, you know, the artist would kind of tell me like, oh, that's, you know, not what I was thinking at all. But wow, you know, it, it, it turned out kind of different than I expected and better yeah. than, but hopefully better than they expected, hopefully better mm-hmm. than I expected, you know? Um, and that can be really fun. That can be really rewarding. So I think it's just, it's, it's different, you know? I enjoy both aspects. So you, looking at it now, you have moved from St. Augustine into Jacksonville. You've been there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Are you pretty much able to do this full time or do you still have some like side jobs with it or? I am. I went full time um, last year, actually. Right. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, it was, it was the year before um, because I've been I've been full time for a little while mm-hmm. prior to the pandemic. Right. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't it was before that. But, um, yeah, it's be, it's become I was able to kind of put the carpentry stuff and everything to the side and just focus on this full time, which is absolutely a blessing it wouldn't have been possible without the the amazing local community that we have that supports me and 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 believes in me and gives me work you know um and i'm absolutely grateful for that to have found that Mm -hmm. listening to you talk i i've already said several times the work ethic you know the hours you put in the ability to you know like put in the time the training all of that that you know some of us some of us, to be honest, we're just lazy and we shy away from, or some of us, we use that as an excuse to not try. Mm. Um, you're able to do that. You also, again, you're, you're able to be observant, just like, you know, like I've mentioned you with Best of Cynthia, all of y'all seem to be observant of the times that were changing. We need to go more digital. Um, so you were able to do that. You're able to do that by, you know, like you were being observant of the shows you were stepping into at Sarbez. Like you said, you started planning things out, you know, ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got, I see in you both of those a hard work ethic, being observant, being and aware of the opportunities around you and how to, you know, it seems like you were able to figure out how to take those head on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you adding to that with just your artistic ability because uh, no matter how like you mentioned the equipment nowadays it's you can get better equipment for you know like less money and shoot something but there's still definitely an artistic knack an artistic talent that some people aren't going to have that eye or that understanding um, 
you know, so like you being someone that's been able to do that, you've been able to do it in music and marry it with the video, which, you know, we talked about, I definitely see that as something that you probably have uh, that helps making music videos. Uh, just understanding music in that route. Um, what about all this? You know, because you've been doing this for a while. Um, and obviously, you know, you're doing it full time. You're, you are reaching a successful level. I mean, there's some people that's their dream is to get full time. What about all this being an artist uh, just keeps bringing you back and helps you push through the hard times, the lows? You know, like you had that high, it almost makes the lows hit that much more. What brings you back? What keeps you going? What keeps you doing this? I think it's. You know, it's, I think it, it, the only way I can put it is just the joy of creating. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it all comes down to. There's just something about it. Uh, I think anybody that's involved with work like this, you know, probably feels the same way. And it's, it's not something you can quite put your finger on. Um, but because like you said, you know, we were talking about the lows can be so low sometimes. And sometimes you do feel like, you know, you wonder if it's worth it and you wonder, if, you know, if you're ever going to be able to you know, it's never easy, right? It's always a struggle. Yeah. But, but those, those moments when you create something that you're really proud of, um, that, you know, might be the culmination of weeks or months or even years of, of thought and planning and envisioning and dreams and everything, you know, what have you, blood and sweat and tears and all those yeah. good things. Um, when you finally step back and you see that done, uh, it's just, you know, there's just this feeling that I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's hard to describe, you know, but I think, I think it's that, I think it's the joy and the joy of the process too. You know, even though it's hard sometimes and it is a struggle, the process of creating and of collaborating too with other artists and getting together and, and just coming up with ideas and, and seeing things come together. It's just, it's so rewarding. It can be so frustrating. It's so rewarding. Yeah. Um, and I think it, you get a little, you get a little addicted to it. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, it's like with any kind of rush, you get a little addicted to it. And it's just, it's, um, it's like nothing else. You know, it was certainly what was missing from my life when I didn't have it. You know, I think it took that period of not really creating anything. Right. For me to realize that it was such a huge part of my life. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, from, from, from being a musician, from being involved music at a young age from being an artist you know a visual artist which i had been for a while you know before i kind of went a different direction in college and from being interested in in video and and uh and cinematography and all this stuff whether it be mm -hmm. camcorders or everything else later in life you know it's just those that that um that feeling you know that you get from just from creating something uh, I think it's just, it's irreplaceable, you know, it's, and, and once you, when you, when you get that in you and when you have, like, when it's, when it's a part of your everyday life, it just, it becomes, um, uh, like inseparable from you, you know, you need it. I, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel at peace. I don't feel balanced unless it's in my life. So that's true. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Maybe it's a compulsion <laughs> more than anything else. You know, I don't know, but it's, uh, 
it's, you know, I think, I think other people who are in this field would say a similar thing. It just, it's not something you can separate from yourself uh, and, and still feel happy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I definitely, I mean, I don't consider myself the artist to the level of um, like someone like yourself or others that I've had on here, but I definitely, I love, I love to create. Uh, and so I feel like I understand at least a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is to help myself and others achieve that, live out those passions, you know, cause like right now, the hardest thing for me is you're talking about the, the joy and feeling the reward of the process. Mm-hmm. I, I hate the process. <laughs> I hate editing and the mm-hmm. hour and the like mm-hmm. trying to, and I know it's a, you know, so it's like, and I, I know I'm not the only one. So mm-hmm. it's like being able to be reminded of what you've talked about, the hours you put in to learn the hours you put in finding the reward in that, you know, it's like, those are the things that I know myself and I would say other people, regardless of it's art or if it's just a completely different field, it's that grind, mm-hmm. you know, finding the joy in that in the process itself. Um, mm-hmm. I think some of us miss that, uh, you know, so mm-hmm. it's good to be reminded of that to remind ourselves you know that those of us that want to live out our passions more to be reminded this is what it takes sure you know and to be clear i totally understand that editing especially can be oh god i i i, I sympathize i i get what you're saying 100 yeah. percent. such the grind even the word the grind just makes me cringe <laughs> you know like <laughs> we all know we all know what that means and yeah. some people some people wear the word grind like a badge of honor and and you know more power to you that's that's awesome for me that word makes me cringe a little bit and it makes it makes me just like uh like you know you go oh god the grind you know it's like yeah. we all know what it, means. And it can mean so many different things but we know what it is um but yeah, I think, I think it is, it's sometimes about your mindset too. And, and it's easy to lose it too. I mean, we all, I think anybody who's creative and anybody who appreciates art and is involved in art, like you are, like I am, we all have ruts, right? Right. And sometimes the ruts can be really long and painful and arduous where like you just, none of it's rewarding, right? Where you don't know why you're doing this anymore. Um, and I, I wish I had like advice for people who are feeling that because i feel it all the time and you know i've, I've been there and I, i've still in there sometimes mm-hmm. i was i wish i had some like fail-proof advice for people to get through that sort of thing and i don't but i i feel like what works for me maybe is just um you do have to kind of kind of have that affirmation you know you have to you have to stop your stuff every once in a while and really and take a look at where where you are where you've been and where you're going and kind of appreciate um, the kind of appreciate the, the progress you've made and the struggle and also the accomplishments, you know, and, yeah. and remind yourself that there, and remind yourself that it was worth it and that there, there's a reason you're doing this, you know, um, because it's not always so apparent. <laughs> it's really easy to, it's really easy to lose, lose track of that. Exactly. Like you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just, that's part of it, I guess. So what is to wrap things up? What is next? for you or what uh, we got going Mm. on now uh, that people can be looking at for Mm. trying to do 
many more things in 2021 than happened yeah. in 2020, as I'm sure everybody is is trying to do. We want I want to put last year behind me. Um, yeah. even though I'm very, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of what I was able to do in 2020, actually, uh, in spite of a lot of what was going on. So I don't mean to sound like, you know, I would discount all of that, but moving forward, you know, hopefully all of us creatives can get back out there and start doing a lot more stuff. Uh, for me personally, I've got coming up in February, I can't say a lot about it, but Juan and I, who we mentioned earlier, Juan, who also works with Flowwave and, uh, Bloom and has his solo project, which is H-U-A-N, Juan. On. Um, we've got a video we've been collaborating on for uh, a little while now. Actually, it was one of the one of the things I was working on probably uh, for a good portion of last year. Um, and it is a another, at least partially animated music video. Um, oh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, actually, I would say a lot more complicated than what you saw on No Good, but very much in the same sort of vein, um, or at least kind of the the inspired by what we did there a little bit. So that's coming in February. Um, and I'm very excited about that. And it was me and uh, three other animators um, who I respect a lot. Very to cool. To make this happen. So it's, I'm really excited about showing this to everybody. Is so that's coming that, in February. Are you allowed to say the name of it yet? Or Oh, I think one... I hope I don't get in trouble. I think Juan already said the name online. Uh, the song is called Days. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about it, man. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait to get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I think we're all, everybody that was involved with that is very proud of it. Can't wait yeah. for that one to get up. Yeah. That... But, uh, but so going back to things. Yeah. Like that, so that's coming. Um, and I'm very excited about that. And uh, we mentioned Bessa Cynthia earlier. Um, we are once again working on some things. Uh, Again, I can't say a lot. Um, obviously, but you're working we're, on some things. We're working on some stuff. Um, we have, what I can say, one of the things, we have a ton of stuff that we recorded for our self-titled album. The, the sessions that I mentioned with Tyson years ago that we played out live. They're like songs that people know, but we never released the mm -hmm. like recorded versions of them. And we kind of been sitting on it for a while. And I think... That's something that's finally going to come out and will be on Spotify and iTunes to get some more of our music out there that people may have heard before, but haven't had access to an actual recorded version of. So I'm excited about right. that. And then we also, on top of that, have some new material in the works. And uh, I can't give the full time frame on that, but I'm very excited about how it's shaping up. Awesome. So, so we have those two things. And, um, and then for Bad Cloud, I um, am looking into some uh, original content as well. Okay. This year that I'm hoping in the next few months might be able to get off the ground uh, on our own channel. I'm not sure if it's going to be like a YouTube or a Patreon thing or a com combination of both. But I'm hoping to get that off the ground this year. Really, some of it was kind of slated for last year, but with everything going on, it kind of just got pushed. So I'm back to work on that again. And, uh, and I'll also hopefully be directing a short film this year as well. That was also right. in the works and had to get pushed. Cool. So um, not just the music stuff. anymore. No, no. Yeah. Trying to get, um, trying to, uh, get more into the storytelling side. And I've, I've been working with a local film community up here in Jacksonville for some time now mm -hmm. on like short films and, 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 uh, that sort of thing. And a couple features even. So I've, I've very much been in this world. 
um, for a while now, but I haven't had a chance myself to direct a short um, entirely myself yet. Uh, so this will be a first time for me, and I'm very excited. Very cool. Up to be very cool. So I'm looking forward to that as well this year. Awesome. Yeah. So for people to keep up with all of that, uh, mm-hmm. where can we all follow you? And I'll put it. Mm-hmm. I'll put the links to all these in the show notes too. But where where can people find you and follow all of this as it comes out? Sure. Um, the best of Cynthia is the band that I'm in that we talked quite a bit about, and that's uh, bestofcynthia.com. We are at best of Cynthia on Instagram and uh, and uh, Facebook. We have a YouTube channel as well. We haven't put any content on the YouTube channel in a minute because we kind of were in another hiatus uh, recently, but look for more soon with that, uh, hopefully within the next few months. And uh, and then for Bad Cloud Media, my company, uh, I have a website, badcloudmedia.com. There's a YouTube channel, which for the moment mostly just has links to some of my other work that other people have posted. But Hopefully soon, like I said, we'll have some original content starting. So that's uh, Bad Cloud Media on YouTube. And of course, at Bad Cloud Media, Facebook and Instagram to keep up with what I'm doing. And then, uh, and then for me, I don't have an avenue quite yet, but I will be posting, I'm sure, on some of my um, Bad Cloud Media and some of my other social accounts about uh, some of the short film work that I'll be getting involved in this year. So just stay cool. tuned for that. And like I said, there may be a Patreon or something coming as well. I haven't decided. There's you know so much of that out there these days. So kind of exploring the options, trying to figure out what's going to fit. Right. Um, but but just just more hopefully coming in 2021. Want to create more. Want to want to do more. Want to work with more people. And of course, keep some more of these uh, music videos and and hopefully performances soon as well uh, rolling. Because I would love to see more local shows happening again. And. Uh, Oh, and for sure. That once again. So looking forward to the, hopefully that in 2021 as well. If we can kick this virus and, uh, and get back out there doing what we all do best. You and me both, bud. Yeah. I want to put some shows back on again, you know, Take yes. that compliment you gave me of promoter that knows how to, and, uh, put that to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, it's all of our lifeblood, right? I mean, yep. you know, I, I mentioned it before somewhere else too, but that's, you know, a lot of the local musicians that I respect the most, you know, that shows is their primary way of getting out there and getting people to see them and, and, mm-hmm. and being excited about their music. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the day when that can come back into full swing again, when you can start putting on some shows and I can come, uh, I can come at least watch and hopefully come start recording again. And we can, yeah. we can live our best lives, you know? <laughs> Yes, most definitely. I'm excited for it. But until then, um, hopefully it won't be too long until then. But mm-hmm. for the time being, yes, I'm definitely going to uh, keep up with what you got going on. And I hope everybody else will, too. Uh, check out mm-hmm. the videos you know, that we mentioned. No Good, Shift, uh, uh, Neon. Uh, definitely also be, I want everyone to be paying attention to you know, what you got coming out uh, that you've mentioned just now that will be in the future. I'm excited to see you, uh, what you create outside of the music realm, outside the music video realm, you know, that, uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing all of that. And I think anybody that's uh, listening that wants to check it out, uh, you're going to find some good stuff. So check out the show notes, uh, make sure and start following Jason Blankenship of 
Bad Loud Media. So uh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, again, you know, it's the, you have, um, I hear the work ethic, the being aware and observant. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned that, uh, the creative joy, I think that may be the title of this one. Um, all of that, you know, like I, as someone that has watched you, I definitely see all of those attributes in you. And those are all things that I hope, especially when we are working hard in the process uh, and it, and it feels like we're never going to get to that joyful um, completion uh, you know, we can look to people like you and what you shared today uh, as a reminder and inspiration to keep going. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for just for coming on and sharing with us. Talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you. A big thank you again to Jason Blankenship for coming on the podcast and sharing his story with myself and you listeners. Be sure and check out everything he has going on you can go to bad cloud media that's where you can find a lot of the film work the music videos he's been doing and also keep on the lookout for what he was talking about that's coming up in the future as he makes some moves outside of just the music realm but into other areas very very exciting stuff what we can take from this episode with jason i believe is just being aware of your surroundings he was aware of things changing into the digital age with his band, Best of Cynthia, which also, take note, check them out also. Best of Cynthia. That's Cynthia with an S. But he was aware of his surroundings, and he also had the work ethic to get in that grind, that thing that I often complain about. Lots of people complain about. But he's able to find the benefits of that, remember the reasons for it, and just that joy of creating something the tedious details all the way through the editing or whatever it is that you're working on up to its completion or continuance of growth those are all things we can learn from so let's take some of the thoughts the experience that jason shared with us to heart and again check out everything he is working on until next time, you do belong, you do exist, at least for now. At least for now, I do belong, I do To all of them